We'll be live. Hello. <laughs> I miss that. I miss that. I only see that once a week now. So I kind of sad. But it's okay. Is it more like precious? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more precious. We have a new member. Thank you, Carl. Thank you for becoming a YouTube member. Oh, guys, Welcome to Satan's Minions. <laughs> yes. Uh, for people who don't know, if you are a YouTube member on our Q&A days, you get to come up and ask uh, me and Secularity a question. Um, and also, if you're a patron, you get to send us your questions ahead of time. I will answer them during the Q&A. And you get our beautiful, beautiful, sexy, blasphemous art, the nude version. The non-nude version, you can get it for free if you subscribe to our newsletter. So it's very, still very sexy, very gorgeous. Um, we have art of Muhammad, Khadija, Fatima, Jesus, Mother Mary, Hindu gods, Hindu goddesses. And you Sexy get that female Dr. Zachariah. <laughs> well, I, I, the female version is sexy. I know it's, it's not the, yeah, 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 but yeah. the female version is good. So we get all of that for free if you subscribe to our newsletter. So link in the description. But today, today we're covering the news. We have 10 news item, and items every week that Susanna picks with the help of the team. Uh, and we go through them, and they're all religion-related, uh, atheism, secularism-related, um, you know, liberty-related, free speech-related sometimes, right? Um, and today, Susie, what do we have? Do we have more sad news, good news? Honestly, it's actually, like, pretty good news this week. Really? Yeah. Okay, okay. Mm. And what countries are we covering today? We have, well, of course, we start off with Iran because, you know, that's what we're doing now. We always have one headline story from Iran, and then we fill in people on updates that happen throughout the rest of the week. Um, we have stuff in America, Canada, the UK. Ooh, juicy story from the UK. Um, Japan, some scandalous stuff in Japan. Actually, two stories from Japan. And, um, yeah, those those are the big ones. Two stories from Japan? Okay, okay. Guys, tell us in the live chat where you're watching from. I'll try to highlight them. Like this one, Shreya, she's saying hi from India. And then <laughs> we have from South Africa. We have a very Amazing. international audience. So if you let us know, if I see in the live chat where you are where you are from, I will try to highlight them. Oh, hi from Brussels, like that. Okay, so keep telling us. Telling, uh, tell us where you are watching from, okay, on Facebook or on Okay, somebody's saying for people of the earth. Okay, earth is here as well. Indonesia, Indonesia is here. Denmark is here. Uh, Paraguay is here. Look at that. That's wow. great. We're very international. Yeah. That's like every oh. freaking continent. Yeah, we already covered most countries. Nice. <laughs> uh, Greece, Canada, Michigan, US, UK. Fantastic. Cool. All right, let's get started. I will keep I will keep highlighting the locations as we go. I'm not gonna read all of them, but I'm gonna highlight them. But you you start with the first news as I highlight the messages. Yes, of oh, course. Wait, 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 wait. Can we clap for the first news? Well, it's about the shot. Oh, no. How do you pronounce no it? Clapping. Yeah, okay. Shot shot. Okay. Okay. No clap, no yeah. clap. Okay, okay, okay. So we covered this news. We talked about it a little bit last week, but I wanted to dig into it in more detail this week. So first news, Iranian regime tries to link massacre at religious shrine to the protesters. According to Iran's state-run media on October 26th, an attacker opened fire on worshipers at the Shah Shirah shrine in Shiraz. More than 40 victims were injured, while 15 were confirmed dead. 
According to Iran's president, Ibrahim Raisi. Wait, Armin, you didn't pull up the news. Thank there you. you go. Okay. According to Iran's president, Ibrahim Raisi, the recent riots related to Masa Amini's death empowered ISIS to carry out the attack. Many in Iran, already familiar with the regime's brutal practice, are not buying Khamenei and Raisi's claims. According to Iran International, many anti-regime critics took to social media to declare their suspicions. One of the most considerable disparities was a poster released by the Iranian regime stating condolences to the people who died, posted three minutes into the 20 minute, three minutes after the 20 minute long attack started. The alleged ISIS post claiming the attack also contains errors in the date. And the spelling follows Persian writing rules, not Arabic standards. The Iranian regime took only one hour after the attack to declare the attacker was ISIS. So, Armin, I think this is really important to dig into in a little bit more detail than we did last week. So what happened was there is a holy shrine in Shiraz and there were people who were praying and the timing of this is what's really important. So in Iranian culture and also in like other Islamic practices, the 40th day after someone dies, you hold a memorial, like a second memorial for their death. And this attack just so happened to occur on the same day as the 40th day memorial for Masa Amini who was the 22-year-old girl who was killed by the morality police for improper hijab, if you don't know. Um, and so and the memorial that happened for Masa was massive, absolutely massive. The regime tried to put up physical barriers so that people couldn't go. And it was in um, Saquez, I believe. But... Um, People like blocked off the highways and just started walking on foot in the thousands. It was incredible. And of course, security forces came in and really tried to suppress everything, started assaulting people, just, you know, their standard MO. Um, and what also happened on the 40th day after Masa's death was that the remainder of the Metropole building collapsed, which we didn't talk about this last week. And Armin, can you like give people more context about what this whole Metropole thing in Abadan is for those who don't That's, know? I, th I think we should focus on the Shah Sharag because that, that did not become a big story. Um, the Shah Sharag thing had become a major, major, like everybody was focused on this one. Okay, well, um, the... Overview is that several months ago this year, there was a giant apartment building in the city of Abadan that collapsed, basically because of corruption and poor building standards. And it killed, you know, a ton of people. And then it just so happened that the remainder of the building fell in the same yep. day, again, killing more people. And there are people who think that these are connected. Yeah, and here's the thing. We can't uh, prove any of the connection here. But it's just so, so coincidental. And even, and the government is milking it. You know what I mean? Like this attack on Shah Chirag, people are saying it was not ISIS. It was the government itself. It's just like, what the hell? On the, on the same day, so that everybody was expecting more protests against the regime to happen. On that very day, all of a sudden, there is an attack on people 
who are very religious, who people assume that they're more sympathetic with the regime as a way to change the narrative to show that the pro-regime people are the victims. That just seems way too convenient. And even if that's not what happened, so there's three scenarios, okay? Either it was the regime itself carrying out that attack, or it was actually ISIS, um, or it was ISIS, but the government kind of gave a green light to ISIS to do this. That's also allowed it to happen. Allowed it to happen, right? But it has, as people predicted, it was used in such a way. Like, it, it seemed like they were all wait. First of all, um, the announcement of it was, I mean, I'm not going to go into conspiracy theories right now, okay? Because I already went through that last time, okay? For why this was so suspicious, like, that look, that was like the regime itself, okay? There are so many different things that people are, like, going over, like, oh, my God, this and this and that, okay? But but the utility of it was exactly as if it was the government's own mm-hmm. doing, right? You know, like, mm-hmm. everybody everybody was like, oh, here it is, attack by ISIS. This shows that the protests have gone too far. Now we need to crack down on the protesters, okay? Because... You have to understand that in Iran, the government can't just do anything it was it, it wants. It has to sell it to its supporters. It, there has to be a narrative. Like people think, like a tyranny works in a way that the tyrants just can do would do whatever they want without having a justification for it. You do have a base that you have to give a justification to, to for your actions, right? And this attack was that justification that. Even if some of the, like, we have good protesters and bad protesters, and the bad protesters Mm. are taking advantage of the good protesters, and the good protesters have some good points and we should listen to them, but the bad protesters are basically misusing, like, the the government narrative is this, that uh, the good, good protesters are the people who have concerns regarding economic issues and in this country we allow people to protest however there are these uh, uh degen- there are a whole bunch of degenerates who are the minority who are using the genuine concern that the iranian people have as a way to come ask for certain other things which is degeneracy and these are um that's why they, they're against the hijab because they're pro-degeneracy they're like they are sex addicts and a whole bunch of young people yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that are haven't married yet and this is why we should uh, reduce the age of marriage and stuff like that because you get horny oh, and you come to the streets and protest right and they're like these these degenerates have been used by zionists and imperialists and they are like um that's why but but the still the narrative is like we do allow protests in this country right but with this attack on Shah Chirag, uh, they were like, okay, now we should cut, shut down all the protests, okay? Because obviously our enemies, Saudi Arabia, ISIS, and the people against uh, our holy revolution and all um, are using this as a, even if you have genuine concerns, it's being misused and the country is now at threat. And that's now, now we have to wipe it all. Everybody should go home, okay? So um, and this is the and again this is right within the regime's playbook before. Like we have many other examples of how the regime actually caused the tragedy to change the narrative. Um, and they've come out since, and said it. Yeah, yeah, it has been like the, in the like even though this hasn't been proven, the other ones have basically right. Like for example, from the very beginning, they burned a theater. Um, beginning of the revolution to kill a whole bunch of people just to start the revolution, right? Uh, there was an attack on another shrine in Mashhad uh, 20 years ago for the same reason, right? And some people suggest that the attack on the Ukrainian flight, uh, it, which killed a whole bunch of Iranians, uh, 
that was also along the same lines. Like every time the regime is like is having a crisis moment, they just shoot their own people or like bomb their own people, and they say like, "Oh, the enemy is like we." They want to cause unity, like some their own supporters, because their own supporters are not reliable enough. You need to like poke them to come and support the regime, right? You need the regime to be attacked in a certain way to raise the passion of the people who are pro-regime to come out because they're like, where are, where, why are the people on our side not being aggressive enough in their support? So you want to basically poke. Mm. This is the reason why you might want to attack the Sunni region of Iran uh, just to cause a, a tension between Sunnis and Shias so that you could say, oh, external enemy, unite behind the regime. This is why you want to attack the court part of Iran to start a war between the Kurdish part of Iran and the rest of Iran to, to cause an external enemy, to cause tension as a way to people to unite against the regime. This is why as soon, there are reports now that Iran might want to start a war with Saudi Arabia. Like a, you know, so nuts. Uh, just, it's like just suicidal. So, yeah, just so that you have tensions enough so that you could justify more. And this is also the reason why the Iran-Iraq war saved mm-hmm. the regime. Even the regime people admit that without the Iran-Iraq war, the regime would not have not, not have survived. The external enemy that was Saddam was the reason why this re- regime was managed to survive. A lot of people are like, oh, how did it survive the Iran-Iraq war? No, it was because of the Iran-Iraq war that it survived it, right? Anyways, um, I do have a lot of interesting videos that we could watch from Iran, updates from Iran. Are there any... Uh, comments that we want to highlight from our members. Oh, um, oh yeah, Qasem, we have a picture of now a street cat being killed by the by the um, regime. <laughs> a lot of people were sharing the picture of the cat that was killed by the uh, officials. Susanna is frozen, I think. Susanna, are you with us? No. All right, so I'm just going to highlight some comments and now some videos from Iran until Susanna's connection is back. Uh, yeah, Susanna. I'm gonna put Susanna down. Um, yeah, I got some. I see that, like, oh, as a sign of degeneracy, uh, one imam was telling people, like, oh, these people are drinking alcohol, uh, just that's why they're so brave. It's the alcohol that is making them so brave because a lot of people are impressed with how brave these protesters are, and apparently, you know, alcohol being non Islamic is the way that this imam is justifying why all of this is happening, right? Um, (laughs) Yes, that's actually, that is actually the official narrative of the regime. Horny teens are destroying our country. That's the genuine, this is what the official standing of the government. We actually talked about that a few weeks ago. There was a a Raifi porter saying that... In the generation of war, we used to fire RPGs to discharge our sexual repression. These teenagers, this is all they have. Yeah, but last week, that that week, it was just Raifi poor. Now it's becoming the official position. The, 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 the government is coming. Yeah, the government is out now. It's not just Rafi poor. More and more people are saying these people are just horny. That's why they, they're against the hijab, because they're horny. That's why they're protesting. They want degeneracy. Oh, my God. Because Rafi like, is a fucking joke. Like, And their solution, no, it's not just Rafi poor. The government officials are saying the answer to all these protests is Islam. Because... This is we're they're saying society is modernizing so fast because Islam tells you to marry earlier. 
this is what they say. This is why we should marry earlier because these people are horny. If they were married, this protest wouldn't have happened. This is their position. They're like, see, this is why we need more Islam. This is why we need more Islamic laws. This is why we need to get our young married earlier. That's, That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I think we should also talk about a lot of other stuff that's happened this week because there's been some big updates that have happened. Um, first of all, wait, let me pull up the exact number. Give me one second. Okay, so this is really important. Um, according to the Norwegian-based NGO Iran Human Rights, at least 304 people, including 41 children, have been killed since the beginning of this uprising so 300 civilians and oh well yeah let's talk about what happened here and then i can get into zahdan um no, no, Armin, explain what's you, going on i'm no 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 i'm just going to show you some pictures i don't need to explain i'm just going to show you uh, the numbers of people are showing up is like getting i'm going to show you some recent videos that i didn't show last week these are more recent ones, just to, yeah. for you guys to see what the atmosphere. By the way, I no, have so many videos. This video is a, the context of this video is important because it's a 40th day ceremony yeah. for yeah. I mean, someone who was killed in Isfahan, I believe. Yeah, but there's so many 40th day anniversaries now. This is why the regime is like, like, do we shoot or don't we shoot? Because every person they shoot, they start um, a first day uprising because of it, a seventh day uprising, and a 40th day uprising, right? So that's why some, one of the protests of people is like, for each one of us you kill, a thousand of us will rise. So the regime is kind of stuck between a, hard, uh, between a rock and a hard place. They're like, if we don't shoot at people, um, well, they will come out in the streets because we're not shooting at people. But if we do shoot at people, then we kill one of them. Then their 40th day anniversary is... Is a calling out for people to come out. And now every, they have shot so many people. Like every day we have new deaths. Every day we have new deaths now, right? That's how they, where they we are shoot right. and kill people at the 40th day ceremonies. And the cycle yeah, just the, begins again. And the people are saying, like, great, you gave us another 40th day anniversary for us to come out because the 40th day anniversary of each death is becoming the day that people come out in protest, right? But now every day is becoming a 40th day anniversary of someone. So the regime is just providing more excuses for people to come out in the streets. Like I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I lost track of the names now. Like we used to have like four. Like remember, like just like halfway through this revolution, uh, we, there were mass protests over four people, four killings. Now, now it's just like so many. It's just like crazy. Like every day we, we, we have a Twitter like, yeah, so-and-so died, this person died, that person died, and people are like... Uh, and and the way they treat the family, the way they treat the family is horrific. They like kidnap... They kidnap the body of the children and they like, we won't give you the body unless you tell the media that the, the, your kid didn't die in the protest. And it's unbelievable how many parents come out and say like, no. We are not going to lie. And they threatened them with death. And some yeah. of them have died over... Like, Okay, let me actually show you this uh, picture. You keep talking while oh, I find Oh, Grey Jedi is also bringing up a very important point that I neglected to mention. He's saying that 300 number is only the known deaths. In reality, it's a lot more. Yes, that's a very good point because Iran um, Human Rights does a lot of work to do confirmations by looking at certificates. So this number is an absolute minimum. Again, it's an absolute minimum of who we know. Um, oh my God, this 
photo broke my heart. Can you like explain the context of this for people? Yes, yeah, in Tasvir, Peder Mader Hossein Ronagi. So this is a picture of the father and mother of Hossein Ronagi. Uh, so these days they this is how they spend their night every night in front of Evin prison this is Evin prison because they're like just waiting for something coming out of the prison about their child and they'd say nothing like they get so very little information but they're well, spending okay. all their night all their days and night they're sleeping in the front of the prison just so that they could get some some news about their kid inside which is one of the protesters well, but it, also recently also one context. of the Go ahead. Yeah, go on. No, you go on. Well, what makes it even more significant is Hussein Ronagi is a very extremely important activist, particularly in the form of an activist for free expression in Iran. And he was essentially kidnapped when he was on his way to go present himself to a prosecutor. And the regime has broken his limbs and refused to medical treatment. And since then... His parents haven't heard any news about his well-being or his health since. And so his life is in extreme danger. It's extremely precarious. And shortly after that photo was taken, Armin, his father had a heart attack. Yeah, and died. What? Well, didn't he die from didn't he die from a heart attack? Okay, I don't know. I know some I don't, parents died from a heart attack. I don't know. All I know is that a heart okay, maybe I don't have. I know. Heart. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if he died or not. But like so one of the parents. Was it these same parents? I didn't know that. Was it this parent that got a heart attack from their? Okay. His okay. father. Yeah. Well, wow, I didn't know that it was the same parents. You know a lot. It more happened about like this. within the past twenty-four hours. Okay, you're a lot more updated than I am over this. That's very impressive. Um, but let me show you. So let me show you this. Um, oh yeah but it, there's a lot I can't show you because a lot of it is brutal no uh, kidding but this is this is the atmosphere in front of a lot of universities these days I'm just showing you one example like this, this is, this, a this graveyard. is a yeah but in front of oh yeah yeah this is a graveyard but also a lot of university students like are coming out like constantly day after day burning hijab protesting but yeah, hold on. Let me show you. But the univers universities are right now the main. Oh, look at this one. This is a Qasem Soleimani statue being burned. Hell this yeah. Baban, Akhwas. So, yeah, there's just like, oh. Let me show. I think I can show you this one because there's a lot of images that are coming out of Sistan Baluchistan, which is this is one of them that I can't show because there's a lot of blood and a lot of shooting. But just so that you could get an understanding of the kind of the war zone that we're dealing with in Sistan Baluchistan, which is like a Sunni part of Iran. Jesus Christ. Well, and yeah. to provide more context, what's happening in Zahedan is, so on September 30th, after Friday prayers, people had left Friday prayers to go protest in front of the police station because the one a high-ranking police officer was accused of R-wording, I can't use the word because of YouTube, R-wording a 15-year-old girl. And at this protest, essentially, it was just a 
an insane massacre. At least 90 people died, at least, as a result of the crackdown from the regime. There are even reports of security forces shooting people from helicopters. So, and many people think that it was pre-planned. I mean, I'm talking like shooting 16-year-olds from rooftops with snipers, like this level. And so what's happened since then is that basically every Friday, at the end of Friday prayers, it becomes another demonstration and another protest against what has now been dubbed Bloody Friday. And each week, it's the same just this last Friday, there was another Bloody Friday. Two days ago, another Bloody Friday of 16 people, at least 16 people, just getting massacred in the streets. It's absolutely crazy. Like, it's... And so, the death toll in Sistan and Baluchistan alone is, like, one-third of the entire civilian death toll since the beginning of this uprising. And so it's like the, the Baluchis are already extremely disproportionately affected by state violence in the form of executions. They're vastly overrepresented in state executions because they're impoverished. And then with the state violence we've seen through the uprising, like the toll on the Baluchis alone is on a different level. Let me show you some videos of a new sports that has been invented in Europe. Yes, I sent this to you today. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show a whole bunch of them. Right. So a lot of. By the way, there's two sports. Um, one of them I can show you. This one I can show you. So the two sports are like people are killing and burning government officials okay like government armed armed forces um i showed uh, susanna some of them so government forces are not safe anymore like i i should i sent susanna one one of them was on fire like literally on fire running in the street on fire which i can't show you there was a whole bunch I mean, that hmm. there's in i mean the stuff that happened in karaj is crazy like yeah Mullahs getting ripped out of cars, beaten in the streets, like security forces severely injured, armed, at least yeah. one killed. Like, yeah. You saw the one that the the armed forces were in the car and people were like, they were all bloody. The, the soldiers were bloody and they were throwing stones at them. And one of the soldiers were like, don't hit me. And then he said, like, he said, he said something I can't say here, but like basically shut your mouth. Like this is what you deserve. Like something like that. Oh right? my Jesus. And it was like, there was full, the car was full of blood and you could not believe what, when this video was shared on Twitter, the Iranians who were like loving this, they were like, this is it. This is our revenge. Like they were, there was, there was a girl that just basically was kicking one of the injured soldiers and people were like, this is our, this girl is our hero. Right. But so that I can't show you. Um, but what I can show you is another sport, uh, which is hitting off the turban of mullahs, right? So let me show you what I'm talking about. Uh, it's the people, uh, international amama throwing <laughs> competition. It's a new Iranian sport. So let me actually show you a list, a whole bunch of them. So the, I don't know if you have the background noise. A little so bit, people, yeah. People are taking these videos of people like removing uh, the mullahs turbans off in Iran and they putting sports 
commentary on it as if it's a, as if you're watching like a football or something. <laughs> like, they even like, I love how they made an, um the animation of the hat throw. Yeah, like they put, no, no, they put animation as if it's like a uh, you go like from the actual footage to the slow motion. Yeah, it's like it's like football. Yeah, like it's like a soccer. Like a... Oh yeah, and you should and you see the score at the bottom part, bottom left as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, the distance, you measure the distance just so they can get the score. <laughs> oh, and the angle and everything. <laughs> Another one, a girl here. Oh. Wait, what is he saying? Like, what's the translation from the commentator? <laughs> it's some sports lingo, which I don't understand. Oh, Sarazang, like right at the rings, right? Right at the ring of the bell. Like it's like beautiful. It's perfect. Like this, like excites everybody that is a sports fan. Like, well, she did a perfect job, perfect hit. Like it was unique. It was a unique move. I have more. I have. Do you want to see a lot more of this? I have a lot of more of a lot more of this. Look, Wait, this, this is, is the, the one video. that I sent you. This is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, but after this, I have a lot more. But I also want to show you how they're like countering this, okay? Because it's really funny. So for those who are listening, if what you can't see is like B-roll of a bunch of young seminarians holding their amamats, but then mm. <laughs> there's also like a drop-down menu of the different cities in Iran, like Masha, Rash, Tehran, Qom. <laughs> so it's, you know, tallying the different regions and then the banner says International Amama Throw 2022. <laughs> <laughs> The slow motion, the calculations on the timing, the fly time. I love it. It's so good. Another one. <laughs> Wait, I have I have a lot more videos like this. That is not I like how this to... person is like goal. Goal. Wait, 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 hold on. I'm gonna show you two more videos or three more videos, but also how the mullahs are fighting back, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. So these are a whole bunch of schoolgirls who threw the, uh, the turban off. And look how excited the girls are. These are schoolgirls. <laughs> the Oh, uh, the girls, the level of excitement over what they just did is just beautiful. Hold on. I have another one. 
Mashallah! Oh, Mashallah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, wait. Well, um, I have one more in the bus. He's a tube. That was a quick one. This is a girl just throwing off the Melissa. <laughs> okay, but now this is what this is where it gets interesting. Okay, so let me show you. This is what the mullahs are doing. They're tying it now. Like, imagine how common it's becoming that this is what they're doing, right? This is what they're being forced to do. And here's another one. Look. <laughs> Multiple? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of mullahs. They're tying their mama. They're tying their turban on because oh it's just not. God. It's like it's not just like these are not. It's a common thing. If you're a mullah, you're now expected. When you go in Iran walking around, oh you expect God. people to do this to your turban. That's how common What do you this think is. about that? Like, <laughs> especially in, in contrast to how things were when you were growing up. Like, what do you I feel mean, like when you see that? I mean, when we see Mullahs, we're like, oh my God, government, like, you know, like religious person, like, we have to mind our business, like, we have to be careful, respect. This was like less than 10 years ago. Now, this is like, like, 40 years ago, this was a religious, very religious country. In 40 years, this is becoming a national, like, <laughs> sports. Like, it's, oh, I, I should find a video. There's a video of a hijabi woman, a hijabi woman going out in the street, like a religious woman, and giving chocolate to girls without hair and telling them how beautiful their hair is. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. But like this was this was this is not Iran like the whole country has like it's a new country it's a completely different country the fa the speed at which the sentiments have changed it's unbelievable like I don't even recognize it anymore wow yeah. <laughs> wait I would, yeah. I want to show this one really incredible video um one second okay let's add this wait it's not adding add okay there we go okay you have audio yes okay so for the context this is happening in an all-girls school in tehran and this is this video was filmed on the anniversary of the hostage crisis that took place in tehran so which is celebrated annually by the regime if you didn't know you know totally normal behavior and people still try to deny that this is not the fundamental characteristic of this regime. Anyways, okay. So, I will let the audio play and then we can translate. <laughs> This is beautiful. Isn't so that good? <laughs> so I don't know who is in the front, but like the school staff is telling the uh, kids to say "Deaf to America," okay? But the children are not repeating what they're supposed to repeat. They're saying "Deaf to dictator," like meaning the regime. So, like <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, this is <laughs> so crazy, so crazy. Yeah, like how many uh, times did were when you were growing up? Did you have to like just repeat this? You know, to yeah, like get into yeah. class, get into school, like all this bullshit. And then to see these kids, like these kids are conscious, man. 
But I was I when I was these kids agents in your in your in school, I could not even imagine question I could not even like I don't want to say death to America. Like that would like get me in trouble. So much trouble. These kids are like not like we they have no chill. They have no chill. But again, they have no chill. Well, like it's not like the government is not doing anything. Like they're getting in trouble. They're getting shot in the face. Okay. Being in the to death. face. I can't show you the things I can show you, but it's not like these kids are brave because nothing is happening. There's just there, so much is happening. Like I don't, Susanna. There's like a video I wanted to. Show, I, w- I wish I could show. There was like one protester, like underground, and there was a lineup of government armed forces that beating. They were like, remember the video that you said like I shouldn't have showed you without warning. But yeah, the, yeah. there's like so many people beating the guy. Okay. And the guy is unarmed, and they all want to have their turn. I'm like, how the guy is like dead. Like, what are you doing? You're beating the, the dead man. And they all like pass, and they keep beating him. And the next person comes, and they beat them as if like, oh no, I I need to have my share. Like it was the most vile thing I've ever seen. And then after everybody beats it, the next guy that comes like runs over him with his motorcycle, runs over him with the motorcycle, and then goes. And then the next guy comes like, I want to beat him too, and they beat him. And the next guy is beating him, and his friend like, go go away. Like, like pushing him away so I could shoot him. And they shoot the man with the shotgun. The man is bleeding and the guy, like, and by the way, he survived. Do you know he survived? Like, I have a That's picture crazy. of his face. Half of his face was I like, I saw blood. that. It was horrible. They're like, after all, a whole lineup of people beating him, the guy was like, move away, move away. I don't, like, I need to shoot the guy. It's underground. Ble- it's, um, it's and they the shot him at point blank range. Yeah. I wish I could show you this video because it's the most vile. Like I've seen so many things, so many brutality coming out of this country. I've never seen this anything this vile. And also, a lot of Persian people, like when they can't beat people, they keep destroying cars and motorcycles and their stores. Like they, there's some genuine hate. Like these people are psychologically. I don't know who broke them like this, but like they hate the people so much they keep destroying their properties. And every single time these videos comes out, the regime keeps saying, like, oh, these are protesters wearing police gear. Like, what are you talking about? The you... regime, the regime hasn't hasn't accepted a single protester death. A single protester death. Every single one of these protesters have died. They have a story. They're like suicide. Uh, dog bit this guy. This guy had a heart attack. This guy wasn't even at the protest. Fell like, off of a building. According to the government record, there hasn't been a single, a single one of the protesters that have died, okay? And according to the government narrative, none of these videos that shows police brutality, none of them is actually the police. Every single one of them is protesters acting like the police with, the, with police gear. And the newspaper, they genuinely ask me, like, where are these protesters getting so much police gear? Who's giving them police care? Does that not belie an even bigger security concern if that's true? Like, it's unbelievably crazy. Like, I don't know who these people are. Who, and and like, nobody's gonna believe this. And then I go to the rooms of pro regime people, they believe it. They're so gullible. Like, I don't know how they. I'm I'm lost for words. Crazy. (laughs) Yeah, somebody's like, what actually? Oh my God. Um, one other really important thing that happened in this past week is, um, oops, wait, let me add this. Um, so there's this rapper, his name is Tumaj Salehi, and he is a very famous rapper in Iran. And I'm actually like a big fan of his, like I've been listening to his music for a really long time. And, 
Tumaj has been a very significant dissident and protest figure. And he, he had like, Tumaj is on a different level. He's been on a different level for a long time. Like he, he's always seen like with a bullet hanging around his neck while he was in Iran. Like he made a music video in which they essentially go like firebomb a bank. Like it's wild. And so he's also very, bold in his lyricism which is directed towards the injustice that people face and the ways in which iran is being exploited by the regime like he has his most famous song is basically about how regime insiders are gonna go have to go find rat holes because their time is up they're gonna have to go find go hide in rat holes tumaj also has been like just straight up posting videos of himself in the streets engaging in leading protests just on his own instagram while living inside iran like it's wild and so he was recently arrested the regime tried to paint this narrative that they arrested him while he was trying to escape across the border i believe in western azerbaijan try to make him like seem cowardly or something like he was just trying to leave the country it's not true his family said that he was arrested in bakhtiari province which is not close to any border area and um he is now apparently transferred to a Vien prison where he is under heavy torture and now faces risk of execution. And so a lot of people have been like raising the voice of Tumaj recently, like hashtag free Tumaj, these kinds of things, because it's as if like during the Black Lives Matter protests that were happening in 2020, like if the rappers who were making songs that were critical of police brutality in the establishment like Kendrick Lamar or Childish Gambino like if they were suddenly arrested and being tortured for their art for their lyricism how they express themselves and um I don't know this like really hits me personally because in the sense that like this is someone I'm a genuine fan of like I listen to his music all the time like and just knowing like what's happening to him right now it's horrible like i don't know like armin we have like personal friends who have been tortured you know in while in prison and I, so we know what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the suspicion over him being severely tortured is also because they put out a fake video of him admitting to something that he didn't. So people, uh, somebody that was tortured, right? Apparently, right? So given that that was apparently based on the fact Tumar's own family are there saying that was a fake video and it wasn't him. To, to a lot of people suggest that he didn't that he didn't give in to torture. That means that to torture, you know. So by the way, we don't we're not sure about any of this. This is what his family are saying, and this is how people are taking it, right? Um, 
there was a p p video of somebody like him uh, with different tattoos and different facial structure. They put out things. a fake forced confession. Yeah, yeah. But if they had to put out a fake forced confession, that means that no matter how much they torture, like people are saying, and again, I'm not claiming anything. People are saying that means that they tortured him a lot and he didn't give in. Um, we don't know for sure what's happening, but we'll see. We just know that he is in danger. Like a serious, lot of danger. danger. And he knew what he's getting into. He knew, like, he had told people when when I get arrested, this and this and this. Um, so he knew that this is gonna happen to him. Yeah. Like he expected this to happen to him. Uh, we did get a, a comment. Hold on, let me just highlight this. I want to know what you think about as well. So GJ, GJ is saying, Armin, are you sure you want to call fatal assault on regime? personal and new sport um oh by the way please just call me gj thank you for the six zero super chat yeah thank i mean you for the super chat. thank you so for the super chat i mean i don't know what exactly you mean but but i think uh people in iran defending themselves against um armed at uh, people who are armed and are attacking them um i am completely that's a justifiable form of def defense. Okay, any violence 100%. that happens, any any violence that happens against uh, regime officials, um, is their fault. Is the regime's fault, and anybody who stays with the regime after all of this is complicit. Are oh my God! I swear, I want their until the very last day, until the very last day, we need people to be hunting down these motherfuckers all across the globe. Like, like Israel style Mossad until the last day, tracking down these Yahtzees, bringing them before a trial. Because we already know, based on reports, that there are insiders and their families applying for visas in Sweden, applying for citizenship and pa passports in Germany, UK, da-da-da-da. They're trying to move their assets. They're trying to leave. They're trying to liquidate stuff and flee the country. No, 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 no. No amnesty. No one is going to forget what the fuck happened over the past 43 years. So what, so what Susanna is referring to is what Israel did to, um, you know, I'm just going to say it, you know, to Nazis after World War II um, ended, uh, Mossad agents went and found where these people were hiding after the fall of the Nazi regime, right? Um, and they brought a lot of them back to Israel to stand trial, right? And they do it uh, to this day. People in their 90s. Yeah. On their deathbed to this day, they're bringing them in front of a trial, in front of the court. Yeah. Like, no, so, we're not letting you forget. We don't forget and we don't forgive what the brutality, yeah. the cruelty that you enacted. It's unforgivable. Yeah. And this 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 is true for anybody, anybody that works for the regime right now, not just the people, not just the armed forces. Like, this is an evil evil regime that is extremely like extremely brutal to his to his people so any form of anybody that is right now supporting this regime to this point or is associated with them is complicit or you know party to a crime yeah exactly nazis in argentina for example um 
Yeah, they're already. By by the way, there's already reports of a lot of regime um, people looking for Canadian passports, UK passports, um, trying to move assets out of Iran. Which I don't know how. I don't know what this means, but a lot of people are suggesting that means that they they themselves are not sure how far how if the regime is going to survive. They must know if something. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Um. Okay. Did I answer the question, by the way? Yeah. So yeah, I do feel like it's a it's a sports, um, and again, it's justifiable defense. This is a, this is war. Okay. This is we're we're in the middle of war. The Iranian people have been taken hostage, and they're trying to free trying to free themselves. And what I compare it to is like imagine if you had like an account of a French. Um, taking out an SS agent, okay? Um, now looking at back at that, I don't think anybody would condemn that. Every single Basiji member, every single Niri member, every single um, IRGC member is now the same as an SS agent would have been back in World War II. So it's completely justifiable, I think. Um, Inhuman cruelty, massacres against civilians, shooting people from helicopters. Yeah. Like, I can't even. The the rules of war apply right now. However, after, if if the regime falls, um, after that, I am not in favor of any of this anymore. I'm in favor of having you know, court proceedings, due process. Um, like right now, if there are any actions that the Iranian people take right now, it's justifiable because rules of war apply right now. But if you manage to take down the regime and if you manage to bring, you know, the next government, then I'm not in favor of like um, any form of like execution without a hearing or a due process. Just basically the same as the Nuremberg trials in World War II. Um, all right, mm. yeah, cosmic hidden thing, but they are still entitled to, for human rights. Yes, human rights uh, applies. Um, uh, that after if there is no war, you need to have fair trials, okay, before you that's what you but human rights also acknowledges that during a war, you take out your enemy during a war, different laws apply, even based on human based on human rights standards that we accept. in in the modern world today, right? You, you. That doesn't mean that you can do anything during a war, but there are more things that are now not a violation of human rights during a war. During war, oh, we got and another super trying to try to trying to free yourself from a kidnapper. Yes, exactly. Uh, GJ is saying I'm pro self defense, uh, resistance, justice, but sport. I thought you were no. referring to the um, Amat no, no, no. I said there's two sports. But here's the thing. No, this is just humor for like the Iranian protesters are using a lot of humor to just to keep their spirits up. Okay. So obviously it's not a sport, but they just refer to like Honestly. they are. This is just part of the humor. There's so like, guys, I wish I could see the, the amount of humor. Like among all this misery and among all this like brutality, the way the the way that the people are referring to what they're doing and their activism, the amount of jokes, the amount of like um, the swear words that they use that makes people smile even in the middle of all this darkness. That's just that's <laughs> <what> <laughs> yeah, yeah. When they're comparing these things, 
<laughs> when you're comparing like that's that's just part of that like it's just a way to just not die from misery yeah. yeah okay honestly okay so you sent me a bunch of like tweets and stuff that show the photos of the security forces or mullahs like being beaten in the streets and like even given the context and everything me just being a softy i don't like to see people get assaulted right um but the captions that people put on them like it's dark humor it's really dark humor <laughs> but they basically are using like because the regime has an excuse a ridiculous excuse for every way that a protester died so people are using that kind of like language against the the deaths of the security forces of like Oh, he had a, he, there was one, I can't remember exactly how it was, but it was like, he, he had a phobia of tomatoes and he, and he passed away. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. So, so the regime keeps telling like every time the protester dies, they were like, Oh, this guy had a heart attack. This guy is suicide, like committed suicide. This guy was like, <laughs> so now when they, when they're killing, the protesters are killing government, um, forces and stuff they're like oh poor soldier he died in the heart of a sudden heart attack in the middle of the road or like when they see another picture like oh this guy suicided himself from he fell from a building right in the middle of the, the highway um or like oh like oh this this guy got off his car and started beating himself to death right so like poor guy like so yeah that was pretty yeah <laughs> there's a lot of that so yeah like me i i yeah the photos are we can't even show them right they're really horrible yeah, but yeah. even me who i really have a low tolerance for any of that even when it's justifiable um i was like damn that caption did make me laugh <laughs> so bad yeah. By the way, I, let me actually show you from a, a few regime pictures, um, like the people, pro-regime people. Okay, uh -huh. So a lot of pro-regime people are saying, like, enough is enough. Why is the government not ma committing, uh, Oops. killing killing the protesters, right? So this lady is saying, we will wash blood with blood. Um, like, the regime needs to go and kill the protesters. Like, it's a pie animal, Marshall. Like, enough, you know treating the protesters with hand glove you know kids gloves. oh my god like enough why are why is the regime not just like massacring these people right uh wow. like okay and hold on let me actually see another one um this Full is like off moment okay yeah this is one of the regime soldiers who died by protesters and they have a picture of hussein crying on top of him these are these are by pro-regime people hussein. taking stuff like yeah hussein is like hussein. crying over the more one of the martyrs, yeah. They're saying these are the martyrs. And let me show Oh my god. Yeah, this is another pro. Um see she's saying you she's confident. She this is yeah, no, I, I I'm not gonna explain this joke. That's too much explanation. But let me oh yeah, this <laughs> the juice. Yeah, what's no, the name I'm, for I'm, the juice? It's San Sunday 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 I'm not gonna uh, explain it. But like they're making graphs, like like they're asking the police, like why are you being so soft on the protesters? Like oh end God. this whole end this, right? Like dear police, uh, until when are you going to let um, our young people, our innocent young people, be killed by the protesters? Right? Um, this is you're being too kind to the protesters. Uh, please, like do your job. Like this is our this is our what we want. So. Just wanted to show you what the other side is. Well. Wait, one other thing that's very significant is um, 
the the Iranian rial has hit a historic low. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. Dick. Yeah. And it's showing no sign of slowing down. So what do you think? I mean, that could mean. Uh, that means like a lot more uh, devastation coming down the road, and a lot of a lot more. It, this could cause a lot of more pro-regime people to join the protesters because at some point the government is not going to be able to pay um, the people who are on their side. Right? Uh, this is an, a, a big discussion we have on the Persian stream uh, on our Persian show. How much of the pro-regime people are ideological versus in it for their benefits? Right? Because mm. the, that percentage is going to be very significant because at some point the regime is not going to be able to continue support you know, financially, take care of its side. And when that happens, what percentage of these people will eventually join the other side? That depends on how ideological these people are when it comes to their support for the regime. So that's a big question wow. right now. Wow. Yeah. Anyways. You should move to the next news. Yes, let me pull it up. Okay, are you ready to pull it up? I have it up already. Can we clap oh, for it? Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, we don't like this, but yeah, in comparison to last nope. news, yeah. All right. Most of the news, news is clap worthy today. Okay, great. Next news. Next news. Poll reveals 45% of Americans think the U.S. should be a Christian nation. A Pew Research poll published on October 27th revealed that 45% of Americans believe that the U.S. should be a Christian nation. The research shows that 60% of Americans believe that the founders intended the USA to be a Christian nation. 33% believe that it is a Christian nation right now. More than half of the respondents who want or already believe we have a Christian nation say the federal government should not declare it so nor advocate for Christian values. 39% think the separation of church and state should be enforced. Christians Against Christian Nationalism launched in July of 2019 and stated, Christian, quote, Christian nationalism demands Christianity be privileged by the state and implies that to be a good American, one must be Christian. It often overlaps with and provides cover for white supremacy and racial subjugation. We reject this damaging political ideology. Christian nationalists, though minority, hold extreme views, such as imposing biblical mandates and total abortion ban, no matter the circumstances. So I thought that this was really interesting and important because a few weeks ago, we talked about how there was a poll that revealed that the majority of Republicans think that the U.S. should be a Christian nation. And some of them even know that it violates the constitution, but still want it anyways. Um, and, but that was like focusing on Republicans, right. And more of a breakdown between their political, I mean, religious affiliation, like evangelical versus Catholic mainline Protestant, etc. Um, but this is a reflection of Americans in general, in general, not just Republicans. This is across the spectrum and 40, 5% think that the U.S. should be a Christian nation. Armin, your reaction. Okay, that's, this is crazy. This is insane. 45%? I would have never got... Of those surveyed. 
That's crazy. Okay, Hamad Mehta is saying the bad news: forty-five percent of Americans think the U.S. should be a Christian nation. The good news: they completely disagree about what that means in practice. Okay, that's good. My takeaways. Okay, so, but here's the thing: like, I am really scared. The United States, like, in this next elections coming right now, I don't know what's going to happen. Or is Trump going to become a president, the president again? Um, like, we're losing United States to far right Christian nationalism. And if we lose the United States, like that's hugely going to swing everything towards uh, La La Land, like crazy nonsense. Like we we had a major, like in the past two years, we saw a, a back to sanity in the world, like liberalism, liberal powers coming together and uniting and trying to make this world a lot more peaceful and better. But if we lose United States to this force that is now you know, like if they come into power in, in in this next elections for Senate and Congress, they could change election laws in a way that they will always remain in power. And this is like this is like a major threat, not to, to the United States, that's a major threat to the whole planet. Like every 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 person in the whole world should be terrified about this. This is we will lose we will lose the rule of sanity. Like we will lose so much in the world if this happens. But go on to the well, part of the thing that's really interesting is like, so we have, you know, 45% say that the U.S. should be a Christian nation. But when asked about that, what that actually means or how that would be enforced, there's a lot of nuance and variability. So, quote, even those who believe America should be a Christian nation generally avoided hardline positions. Most of this group, 52%, said the government should never declare any particular faith the official state religion. So the majority still say that the government shouldn't be officially declared a Christian nation in the same way like a theocracy is. Only 28% said that they wanted Christianity to be recognized as the country's official faith. Similarly, 52% said the government should advocate for moral values shared by several religions compared to 24% who said it should advocate for Christian values alone. Those are some really still high numbers, and they're very motivated when it comes to their, the problem. Also, is that a lot of these people are very motivated when it comes to their political activism, much more than mm -hmm. people on our side. Yeah, um, extremely so. It's enough of a percentage for you to be able to change election rules enough for them to always come on top. I mean, you see, in a country where most people agree abortion should be legal, you still have found that managed to you know, do something that is not, right? So, you know, they only need 20% if they could change mm -hmm. enough, the laws enough. Yeah. yeah. The, I just kind um, of, yeah, go on. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, let's super chat. Zagris just gave it $5 for my jizya. Thank you. Thank you. Are you, you have to make sure you give your jizya to me in humiliation. Like, you have to be humbled while you give it to me. So, make <laughs> sure. That's how it works. Right, so, <laughs> but thank you, thank you, Zach. Wow, that's, how, that's the yeah. Um, thank you, thank you. So, okay. Um, da, 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 da. Wait, if you go into the show notes, there are two images I wanted to show that um, break down the polling in a more visual way, which I think helps put this into perspective for people. Oh my gosh, bread of life is here. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? It's good to see you again. Um, 
D is saying there are two very different realities here with the big lie believers. Most politicians are spouting Bible verses now. Florida's DeSantis recently declared God created him on the eighth day. Did he seriously say that? Oh my God. This is that must be, that must be a joke. That must be a joke. He's, yeah, be, but still. That can't be real. That's bold. Okay. So, um, among those who want the U.S. to be a Christian nation, upward of half say the Bible should influence U.S. laws and take precedence over the will of the people. So here it says, of the percentage of um, U.S. adults who say that they want America to be a Christian nation, 50, wait, the Bible should have a great deal or more influence on some U.S. laws. So that's 78%. And then if they conflict... Meaning if American law conflicts with biblical law, the biblical law should take precedence over the law of the land and the will of the people. That's wild. Mm. Rebecca in the live chat, who's a Christian, by the way, go check out her channel. It's, a, it's called Bread of Life. It's saying it's so frustrating to me that some Christians believe the big lie. She says, embarrassing. That's right. That's good. I mean, not well, it shouldn't be embarrassing to you, though. But but thank you. Mm -hmm. But this is good to show that not all Christians think like this. Of of the American adults who say that the U.S. should not be a Christian nation, seventy nine percent say that the Bible should have little or no influence on U.S. laws. One thing that shocked me, though, is based on this polling, um, seven percent of atheists said that they want the U.S. to be a Christian nation. Yeah, I know. Actually, these are like the, I don't know, Jordan Peterson or fans or Andrew Tate's fans. Oh, well, not anymore, actually. That's Islam now. But kind of like a whole bunch of um, far-right atheists think like, you know, Christianity is loony and all, but it's what's holding, holding our country together. You know, kind of like... We're like is, how we should structure society. This is the identity of people. People are not smart enough as me to understand that religion is nonsense. We need religion to keep everything together, especially if we're going to, the only force that is powerful enough to stand against something like Islam is Christianity. Like liberalism is just like too weak and all, but that's what they think, which is nonsense. Um, so so Oxymoron is saying, how reliable are these stats? It's, it's Pew. Okay. It's not a, it's not like a revelation from God kind of reliable, but it is, it is as reliable. Basically, as the get. gold standard. It is the gold standard. Yes, Gallup and Pew are the, basically the best ones. So, so that's how reliable it is. What is this that you want to show? Oh, um, this is just like more of a breakdown of how people say certain things. So, like, do you think that the U.S. is now a Christian nation? Like, sixty-four percent said yes. And so obviously there's a lot of variability in what um, people mean when they say that. Like when you say, oh, the, the U.S. is a Christian nation, they could be referring to like the makeup of the population, right? Or they could be referring to the uh, historical cultural context of the country, or they could be referring to they actually genuinely think it's a Christian nation. I mean, there's a lot of variability in how you could use this term. 
what was interesting though is that um the poll also looked at like who was even familiar with the term christian nationalism and of the people who were familiar with the term they were like very negative against it um okay wait d is saying that was not a joke about DeSantis? Yeah, he's, he's saying, not a joke, Armin. Major news outlets covered the speech. We are in the we are in this problem because we all took it for a joke this long. Wait, so DeSantis... I, wait a minute. DeSantis is literally... the think he was literally made in the eighth day by God. Like, I don't know. Your country is going cuckoo. I don't know. I have to see this. We got a uh, another super chat. Yeah, but it's about the previous news, so I'm going to let it... Are we done with this news? I will highlight it. Yes. Okay. Um, I forgot how to pronounce your name. GJ. GJ. GJ saying, uh, unless in straight self-defense, fatal assault on pro-regimers besides military and armed riot police uh, equals taking law in your own hands, demeaning yourself. Um, No, I agree with that. I was talking about armed forces... But not necessarily armed forces when they're attacking you. Okay? It doesn't have... Because, like, for example, the example I have, right? Let's say an SS officer and during World War II, okay? It, even if you, if you see a story of a French person, like an SS officer in France, if you are somebody in France who was fighting against the Nazi regime, if you take them out, okay? We consider that... A justifiable attack because as SS officer is part of the armed forces, right? It doesn't necessarily be have to be at the time that those people are shooting at you. So, but I do agree with you. It could be it could be the armed forces or also the people who are in direct um support involvement in the armed forces. Like for example, the propaganda arm of the armed forces. You know, I think that's also justifiable. Logistics. But again, this, Logistics, you know, propaganda, etc. Uh, I can't Yeah. So it doesn't. When you say armed forces, it doesn't have to be literally the people who carry the guns. So just making sure these are the like. By the way, I'm, what I'm saying is acceptable um, standards when it comes to the rules of war. It's not. Mm-hmm. Something, I'm not. I'm like saying even if they're like people. not. If 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 it's not currently like an active shooting situation, like that is still towards the preservation of innocent civilian life, ultimately. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, but I do agree just like you can't just like attack anybody just because for oh, oh I support this regime. Okay, no, that doesn't. Oh, God, no. No, no, I wasn't suggesting that that all of a sudden no, no, becomes no, no, a justifiable no. target. No, I wasn't. We're talking about that. actual working within. Yes, yeah. Um, okay, Bread of Life has some. You want to read this while I get the next page? Bread of Life is saying the eighth day thing is probably a reference to a new interpretation of Genesis that is going around. It has to do with the second chapter of Genesis. Okay. Apparently, Armin, hot news, new Genesis just dropped. (laughs) (laughs) You guys with your religion, always with this new interpretation, you know? New updates. We got new updates to the perfect word of God. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. (laughs) I thought religion was better than you know, secularism and liberalism because it keeps us grounded in something stable, you know, I don't know. But you keep but saying who am I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
because it's um, objective, you know. <laughs> objective reality keeps. It seems to. It, it's objective reality, but what that object reality is is very subjective. So at the at, you know at the end it becomes very subjective. Kind of funny Our subjective out, huh? interpretation of objective reality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Can we clap for the next news? It looks like. Yes. Cute. This is it funny. Looks like it looks lovey dovey. So. Oh, it is, is, cute. That, is that is that Krishna? It oh is. Oh my God! This is adorable. What can I get? This? Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let me clap. That. That is so adorable, guys. I can't wait to show this to you guys. Next news. Next news. Hindu activists angry over a museum selling toys of Hindu gods. So this is the latest episode of Hurt Sentiments campaign. Okay. So a Hindu organization, the Universal Society of Hinduism, has stated concerns about Peabody Essex, Essex Museum or PEM in a museum in Salem, Massachusetts, selling plush toys portraying three Hindu deities in an insensitive way. Quote, Lord Krishna, Lord Ganesh, and Lord Hanuman were greatly revered in Hinduism and were meant to be worshipped in temples or home shrines and not to be thrown around loosely on the floor, bathrooms, cars, etc., said Rajan Zed, president of the Universal Society of Hinduism. After protests from the organization on October 18th, PEM removed the toys featuring the deities. PEM should learn more about religious and cultural sensitivities, Zed suggested. The toys were manufactured by a company based in New Jersey and founded by an Indian-American family. Avani Modi Sarkar, co-founder of the multicultural toy business Modi Toys, said in a statement that these were made with the intention to spark curiosity in Hindu culture and heritage. Okay, so... I love this because the toys are so cute. <laughs> like, I want one. Armin, which one do you want the most? Do you want the, Ga the Ganesh, the Krishna, or the Hanuman? I want the Krishna one. I like, I like the Krishna one the most. Hanuman. Hanuman is really cute. And it has this thing. What is this thing that he's holding? It's like, um, it's, I think it's like a mace. I love it's that. It's like anime. a hammer kind of thing. Why would you be offended over this? This is a great way to promote Hinduism to your children. If you're like, if I was a Hindu parent, I would like, I need these. I need these. I would like, I, if I was like, if I was trying to brainwash my kids, okay, with, with religion, I would basically go over the stories of Hinduism, like, with like these, like, I'll hold them, like, and then this happened, Oh my God, you happened, could do and... like little puppet plays. Like, yeah. yeah. What the hell's wrong with you guys? This is how your religion becomes adorable. This you know is like I mean? the you know how like kids love Santa because like Santa in the Easter Bunny because Santa is cute. This is how you get kids into Easter because bunnies are cute. You get candy, da da da. Like it works. But I okay one. I love the toys. They're so cute. Guys, let us know in the live chat which god, god or goddess would you like a plushie of. Oh my god, Asian American is saying, I would have killed to have a stuffed monkey king. <laughs> the name of the um, monkey king from Chinese mythology. I can't remember his name. But yeah, that would be so awesome. And there's like cute little storybooks that go with it. And then you can like read the storybook and then have your little Ganesha. Like, I don't know. I think that's lovely. Um, but what's funny is that 
not only did, okay, I want to provide a little bit more context. So this guy seems to be someone who is perpetually offended. So when I posted this, the the news that we are going to do to our Patreon, Oxymoron, you know, member of our chat and supports us on Patreon, posted in the comments like 11 examples of when this guy, what's his name, Rajan Zed, got offended at celebrities or Wayfair having bath towels with the ohm on it. Like this guy's sole purpose in life seems to be get offended at someone using Hinduism in any fashion and and complain about them and get them to pull it down. This is like the only thing he does. Like Beyonce does something with Indian culture or like a Hindu iconography. She gets canceled. Like Cardi B has shoes with Durga. Like she gets canceled because it's a goddess holding shoes. Like the dumbest stuff. But you know, that being said, you know, we have a lot of disagreements with Oxymoron. I don't like a lot of his beliefs or his approaches to pretty much anything. But it made me realize one thing that I do appreciate about him. Okay. He might be Hindufa, but his priorities are in the right place because he actually, Oxymoron doesn't care about hurt sentiments like this nonsense. He actually cares about the quality of life of Hindus more. Like, I disagree with him and his approach on different things, but that's actually his priority. It's like, what is the quality of life of the people? He doesn't care about the hurt sentiments or whatever. This guy, this Zed guy, he only cares about the hurt sentiments and the blasphemy, blah, 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 blah. Like, so I, I appreciate, you know, oxymoron's priorities. This is a frustration we have with many Muslims. Like they care more about insult to the prophet than the legitimate like devastation or brutality that Muslims are facing in like China or India, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, you know, shouts out to you, Oxymoron, to having your priorities in the right place. Um, I, one thing that I also thought was very funny about this new story is that the Hindu American foundation, which we've talked about a lot on this channel that we're not really a big fan of. I think they're, you know, kind of Hindu aligned. That's where their priorities are. Um, even they came out, they were contacted for comment about this. Even they came out and they're like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with these toys. <laughs> they're like, no, these are, these are fine. <laughs> I'm surprised it and, took them this long. Like, why do they, why, like we have more than, more than a billion Hindus. You're telling me it took them till now to have plushies? Of their gods and goddesses? I mean, not even goddesses, just their gods. Where are the goddesses? But missed opportunity. No, like, it took, like, why is this, why is this a new thing? You have avoided making these for one billion people. Do you know the market size of this? Do you know how many people would have let, oh my god. <laughs> Armin's like, let me help you market your religion better. I mean, we have we have Jesus action figures, we have Jesus toys, we have the nativity scene. What's wrong with this? Like, even based on your religious standards, this is this shouldn't be bad. It's cute. Look at it. 
Well, I, I mean, and maybe we had to wait until the Indian American family to make it, you know, something about like the American crossover, I think might have been part of it. And, and the whole barrier of the constant hurt sentiments definitely played a role into why we didn't get this sooner. But the funny this thing is, why is they hate arts as well. You know, the arts we make, even though they, we make our gods yeah, better exactly. than they actually are. We make your gods, we improve your gods and goddesses, okay? You're like, oh, this is blasphemy. No, this is an upgrade, okay? It's an upgrade <laughs> to your gods and goddesses. Like, guys, by the way, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Atheist Republic Blasphemous Art. If you want to see them, subscribe to our newsletter. We make Blasphemous Art every week. A lot of them are Hindu gods and goddesses, okay? And I'm telling you, the entirety of the Hindu culture, for the thousands of years that it existed, it didn't make the Hindu gods and goddesses even close to as beautiful as we see, right? So we foreigners improve. Oh my Hinduism, god! Okay, so you should. Sh if you don't say. You know how you respond to that? You say thank you, foreigners. Oh my god! Thank you for improving our religion. But yeah, go on. No, okay. The last thing I wanted to say is, can you scroll down in the news article because this is pretty funny. Yeah. Okay, so someone had a tweet. And the tweet is, if kids salivate all over Hindu god plush toys and drag them on dirty floors, step over them, squeeze them, doesn't that hurt Hindu sentiments? That's why, hashtag, boycott kids. <laughs> boycott kids? Is that what you're And then the follow-up tweet after this was, the name of the toy company is Modi Toys, so it's safer to boycott the children. <laughs> Wait, why? They're like, okay. oh, Modi Toys, that's too close to Narendra Modi. We can't boycott anything that sounds close to him, so we have to boycott the kids instead. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. This is what you worry about? Is this guy joking? Is this serious? No, this he is, is joking. Okay, He's 100% joking. Good, good. CD, sometimes I'm. Sometimes people are actually joking. Okay, so it's not <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, we got a. Uh, is this um, is this over? Because we have a yes. super chat that is really okay. GJ is always one news behind, so we have to fin finish the news before we read the super chat. So GJ is like now. This was the third news, but thank you for so much for the six euro super chat. This is on the second news. Okay, uh, GJ is saying on the second item one US USA motto in God we trust. Two years ago under God. But I don't know what you're saying. Was also added to the U.S. Pledge of Allegiance to the uh, and to the U.S. flag. Yes, these are new things that were added to the to the Pledge of Allegiance to the U.S. flag and also to motto. It wasn't the, in God the we case. trust is like adding in God we trust is like less than a hundred years old. It's an anti-communist thing. Yeah, this these are both in response to the Red Scare. This is these are both the things that were done. This is not like you America. These are very recent. This is McCarthyism effect of people worrying about communism taking over the United States. Yeah. Um, yeah, true, true. Thank you so much again. You're very generous, GJ, with all of your super chats. Thank you Thank so you. much for that. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Let's go to the next news. Okay, KP is pointing out that Modi is the surname of the owner and not related to PM Modi. Of course we know that. That's that's the joke. <laughs> okay. Thank you, though, for clarifying. Uh, can we clap for the next news? Yes, this is based. Okay, wow. All right, next news. Next news. UK government drops plan to officially define Islamophobia. You love to see it. 
Okay. Recently, the United Kingdom government quietly abandoned plans to create an official definition of Islamophobia. Three years ago, amid mounting pressures to take action on the rise of hate crimes against Muslims and the scandals allegedly exposing Islamophobia in the Conservative Party, a decision was taken to define the term officially. In 2018, the all-party parliamentary group defined the term as, quote, a type of racism that it targets expressions of Muslimness. Labor, Liberal Democrats, and other opposition parties accepted this definition, but the Conservative Party rejected it. But Michael Gove, the current community's secretary, reportedly opposed the definition, stating, quote, it would be very difficult to get a precise definition of Islamophobia. He added, there are dangers if a university or another organization, which should be home to should be the home of free debate, uses a definition like that to police what people can say in order to penalize them for it. Wow. Well, Wait, he, who's saying this? That makes too much sense for government official to say. He's who's the current this? community secretary of the conservative party. What? Okay, cool. Yeah. Go on. Well, the abandonment of the plan received criticism from various British Muslim organizations, some MPs from both labor and conservative parties, and many ex-Muslim individuals and organizations supported the move. I wish it wasn't coming from a conservative, but okay. Yay. That's where we um, are in the UK right now, okay? We have to take it. Oh, yeah, actually, UK conservative. Um, yeah, I mean, conservatives usually have bad arguments for these things, but this is generally like credit where credit is due. Like, this is generally the reason why you shouldn't have these things. However, I do want to highlight the fact that anti-Muslim bigotry is a real thing, okay? Um, yes. And should, and should be challenged, okay? Mm -hmm. This... This Islamophobia nonsense is not the way you challenge that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's what's really important here because um, a little over 40% of all hate crimes that happen in the United Kingdom are against Muslims. And it's the largest percentage of any group that experiences hate crimes. So that's very significant. And that is something that genuinely does need to be addressed. And the state does have an interest in addressing this, right? But using the term Islamophobia to go about tackling this is really counterproductive. And I don't understand why existing terminology for religiously based hate crimes is not sufficient. I'm okay with them coming, adding new rules that makes us focus on something that's a problem. Okay. That's um, not what I'm saying. I'm like, why can't you just use the language that we already have? Because sometimes you need to add extra language because something is a specifically problematic issue. But 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 to your point, which is correct, is that the main problem with Islamophobia as a term is that it's, it's such a disservice to Muslims because it's taking their hurt and their pain and using it instead to defend them and misdirects the attention to any you know, criticism or um, any joke in expense of their religion. Like, it's, you're like, oh, look at these people being attacked. Like, oh, let's do something about it. Like, oh, yeah, let's protect Islam. Like, uh, wait, what? Like, no, like, you, we, you, you miss, you, you're using Islamophobia, it misdirects the, the energy, the focus, and the resources in protecting something that this whole thing started 
was not the reason. Like at the beginning, was not the reason why we started this and initiating th this whole project. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, be scared of this. Like, oh yeah, this is scary. And then all of a sudden, like, no, we're moving to a different direction. Like, do you not see what, why, what, what we're trying to do here? Like, it uses people's genuine desire and care to protect other human beings against hate, but people who and actually it's it's actually very evil okay because at the same it's not at um, saving muslims it's not helping muslims it's protecting their feelings and it's protecting their religion but at the same time you put red you draw the red lines in places where you know there will be a lot more crossing of it you know what i mean like any attacks on the quran or the muhammad or any drawings of muhammad all of a sudden you if you categorize all of that as islamophobia in a way that if it was anti-muslim bigotry uh, none of that would be categorized under this umbrella now you have a lot more um excuses for raising the alarm for like um and telling people that a violation has have happened so silence essentially yeah and also increases the your importance because there's so many things that are islamophobia less things are anti-Muslim bigotry, right? But this will make wh wh whatever institution, uh, whatever body of people are responsible for monitoring this will become more relevant and more bigger uh, and, and bigger and with bigger budgets if they were going after Islamophobia instead of anti-Muslim bigotry. So there's actually, um, the interest of the people involved would be to silence, to be going more in line with silencing this dissent rather than protecting people but i'm glad that you know th thanks to a lot of ex-muslim activists by the way in the uk okay because this is this is them make being involved by the way you guys this is what getting in being involved in politics gets you right so therefore the, all the atheists or ex-muslims are like oh why are we involved in politics why are we organizing why are we becoming political why are we creating communities this sounds like so much religion well this is why Okay, because these things don't happen in a vacuum. These things happen because of certain people constantly fighting to make it happen. So good job to anybody who's responsible for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think that this government has a responsibility to come up with an alternative phrase? I mean, the term anti-Muslim bigotry is pretty good. Anti-Muslim yeah. bigotry. Like, I think Can a lot of Canadians were suggesting, like, Canadian politicians were suggesting that. So I don't understand yeah, why don't you... Yeah. This guy is partially also getting criticized basically for dropping the issue in general and like not working towards providing an alternative. It's like, okay, if you don't like what the other parties have accepted, okay, but are, like you've been put in charge of managing this problem and you're not providing an alternative. So they I, feel like I, it's just I, not taking the issue, the genuine issue seriously at all. Yeah, I think like I be, I don't know. I have to look into more into it, but based on what I know, I would be in favor of actually suggesting something like anti-Muslim bigotry, especially because if you don't address the problem, this whole Islamophobia thing is going to get suggested back. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you need to create a program that is not anti-Islamophobia, so that so that you show that you're addressing the problem. So that, because if you don't, somebody eventually is going to come sneak this back in. I'm if I would be in favor of actually having a program that looks into anti-muslim bigotry what also, do you think about the yeah. definition of islamophobia that they had wait which was quote a type of racism that targets expressions of muslimness 
what is that? I mean, that's what the hell is that? <laughs> like a type of racism. You like, can tell it was made by some contradiction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a contradiction here. A racism is targeting people based on their race, and then Muslimness is not. A, I mean, do I have to say it? Are you going to make me say it? Because it's so cringe to say it. Now. Say it. Say it. Okay. Do it. Muslim is not a race. Like, are we still <laughs> at that point? Huh? Like, are we, do we still need to say that? I mean, most Muslims are not Arabs. So, what are you talking about? I mean, okay, in 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 the UK, they're Pakistanis, most Muslims, mm -hmm. right? So, if the Pakistanis are being targeted, just say like, I don't know, anti-Pakistani, like racism, if that's what it is. I don't understand. Right. That is a large like, part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Islam brags about the fact that Muslimness is not tied to one race. But like the woke narrative would be that Muslim practice is racialized by being identified as coming from foreign nations. And it's of practices and expressions, clothing, food yeah. from foreign I understand nations. That, but You're you... saying that that's how the racism gets mixed in because it's racial. That's completely true. That's completely true. Okay. But you're helping that. You're adding to that by defining it that way. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you are joining them in racializing religion by saying like anti-Muslimness is racism. Yeah. Trells is coming up with a good point. He says under that bizarre definition, the traditional Northern Indian clothing that Pakistani women wear suddenly becomes Muslimness. Right. Yeah, it kind of begins to encapsulate xenophobia at large. <laughs> it's xenophobia. Yeah, actually, you're right. Actually, the right term would be because it's like it has foreign foreignness to them, right? That's called xenophobia. That's not called racism. So you could be like Muslimness. If you're saying Muslimness is something that they associate with the other, you know, xenophobia. Racism is specifically identifying someone's race. As the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, uh, you might think we're nit nitpicking, but if you, you have to know what problem you're dealing with if you, before you deal with it, well, you especially have to be able to identify correctly. Coming up with yeah. a term like this that sets a precedent. It's extremely legal important. precedent. Legal precedent. It's important for you to identify this accurately. <laughs> it's not like I understand how people are like, oh, people are being hurt. Why are you being so nitpicky over their definitions? Because they will have legal consequences and you're not going to be able to protect those people. If it, this is actually, this is not even for, for us to, we are actually saying this not to be able to attack Islam more efficiently. We're even saying it for the sake of Muslims. Okay, for the sake of their Muslims, it would be better for them if you define this as anti-Muslim bigotry mm -hmm. rather than Islamophobia. Mm -hmm. Although, oh my gosh, I wish I could remember. I remember going through the reports on the hate crimes against Muslims in the UK and how there was a rise during the pandemic. I can't remember what it was. I remember we talked about it on this show and I actually went through the data and some of it was like really, there were some instances that felt like such a stretch in terms of what they were defining as an Islamophobic hate crime. I can't remember the details though, but I remember like, wait, this is all getting included in the same thing? Yeah. 
Rebecca is saying, I've noticed that in recent years, a lot of things get called racism that are not racism. It seems that the meaning of the term racism has changed. Yeah, but I do think liberals are doing a good job at fighting back against it. Like it it was going cuckoo for a while, but I think like we're like liberals are actually moving forward to like reclaiming the actual meaning of racism. So I don't know. no. <laughs> well, you know how I've been feeling lately. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I understand there's still a lot of cuckoo out there, but okay. Okay, can we clap for the next news? Sure. Next news. Next news. Texas pastor calls for imposing Christian nationalist values on society. Like they're just going full mask off. Let's do it in the open now. Cool. Texas mega church pastor Robert Jeffress, a supporter of Christian nationalism, called out to Christian conservative Christians to, quote, impose their values on society. In a recent interview with Tim Clinton, the host of Real America's Voice, Robert Jeffress said that loving their neighbor and loving, excuse me, said that loving their country and voting in elections is all good for Christians, but they must put God above everything else. He also said, quote, the left doesn't mind at all imposing their values on our country through the election process. They don't mind forcing their pro-abortion, pro-transgender, pro-open borders policy upon our nation. But they object when conservative Christians try to impose their values on society at large. It's complete hypocrisy, end quote. When the pastor was asked about the issues that Christians and pastors face before the midterm elections, he stated that it is almost the same thing that even atheists are worried about, such as inflation, high interest rates, crime, and border control. Jeffreys had previously denied any allegations of him being a so-called Christian nationalist. Armin, where are you? Okay, he's... Right here, right here, right here. Um, yeah. Okay. What does this mean? Imposing? How does that work? Well, I actually have in the show notes, I have the video of him talking about it. So it it might be more fun to actually like hear him say it and respond. There we go. Okay. Where's the video? No, no. In the show notes, not on the page. Oh, okay. Hold on. Because I found the clip later. On Rumble? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. These people must be... Really crazy. If, I know I can Rumble. only find the clip on Rumble. <laughs> yeah, like if you're on Rumble, another on YouTube. I don't know what kind of people we're dealing. With. By the way, we had so two Armin, I would love to see I forgot you to read. Yeah, do a reaction would... to this. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let me know if you have an audio. By the way, I know that we had two super chats. I forgot to read them. I will read them after this news. Okay. Yes. We always put our love for God above everything, even allegiance to our country. But that's not what they're really talking about. Listen carefully. They say they are opposed to people who say America was founded as a Christian nation, Americans who believe not only in the spiritual heritage of our nation, but believe that we ought to use elections to help return our country to its Christian foundation. If that's Christian nationalism, count me in, because that's what we have to do. And what's so hypocritical about this, Tim, is the left don't mind at all imposing their values on our country through the election process. Uh, They don't mind uh, forcing their pro-abortion, pro-transgender, pro 
open borders policy upon our nation, but they object when conservative Christians try to impose their values on society at large. It's Wait, complete Armin, hypocrisy. I want to I get your immediate reaction to that statement. Okay, I think this person doesn't understand that the United States is not a pure democracy. Okay, so it's not imposing the United States is a Actually, this is something that the Republicans keep telling us. Now I have to remind them of the same thing, okay? This is not a demo absolute democracy. This country is a republic. I thought you guys knew that, okay? So there are limitations to what you could do through the ballots, okay? You can't just force your way. So the things that you, the Christian values that you want to impose on us through elections are because this country is a liberal democracy and the minorities' rights are protected, Okay, through its constitution, that means that your Christian values have to take a back seat, even if you have the majority vote. That's how a republic works, works sir. I mean, this is like, I thought the conservatives always say that to the liberals, like, this is not a democracy, this is a republic. Well, yeah, that means that you cannot impose your way on minorities, on trans people, on gay people. Their rights will be protected, even if you lose um, managed to somehow get the majority of the country to vote a certain way. And I think yeah. there's a disconnect or like a misunderstanding, or maybe there just doesn't, there's no desire for understanding of like with, in not all cases. Okay. In the majority of like the values that he's talking about coming from the left, it's n calling them an imposition of your values on society is inaccurate because these are values that are supposed to be for the protections of people's liberties to then go do what they want to their extent. Yeah, that's why it's a liberal. Did that democracy. make sense? Yes, yes. There's certain, you know, you, you feel like we're imposing things. On, okay, they understand them not being able to tell, take people's rights away as us imposing certain values on them. All right. But I mean, I mean, technically it's true. Exactly. We are we are forcing you not to, you know, have slaves. Okay. That that way of life, for example, is being forced upon you. Okay. I mean, but it's in the same way that you are being imposed not to be able to murder. Okay. Like even if you manage to like get the majority of the country to be like, hey, let's let's be pro-murder, okay. Uh, or let's bring back eye, an eye to an eye. Okay. Well, yes, you're being, it's being imposed on you. Um, but that's why this country works. It's a liberal democracy. That's why, you know, you can't bring back slavery through, with the, through the ballots or through the, through democracy. You can't bring back torture, for example. I mean, United States does torture, but like, under, at least on the books, you don't, you, you don't have, um, legally, you're not supposed to be able to torture, right? Um, I mean, but yeah, I mean, it, this is because the United States is a, it's a liberal democracy. It's not a Christian nation. It's not a, it's not a based on... So I don't... He thinks that this is an anti-constitution position. You know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. You are complaining about the fact that the constitution has been imposed upon you. Mm -hmm. Which is weird. Well, it's really interesting. Is later he he goes on to mention that essentially what is mobilizing Christians in this election is this whole cultural reckoning we're having with transgender issues, 
And in that sense, I actually think he's right. Like, I do think that this is a major influence right now and a major motivator that is getting the Christian right extremely active. You can see it everywhere. Like, I, th I really think that, that that is a major, like, cultural touchstone that our country is having, like, a reckoning over. And it's kind of becoming, like, a, a sides that you can just pile on to then go take your culture or whatever way you want. But none of this stuff is actually improving the lives of Americans. Like, what is this doing for inflation? Like, where are our policy positions in areas that will actually benefit and help increase prosperity for average Americans. It's like so lacking. So instead they pick on these kind of things. I mean, uh, to be fair to Biden, he has been trying to do everything he can to deal with the inflation situation as much as he can. We're dealing with like after COVID stuff and Ukraine stuff. Like he's not God. He, presidents have very little over inflation. <laughs> So, but the amount that he does, he has been doing all of it. So, there has been policies over all of this. I don't know. No, I was speaking more about in terms of like opposition, like Republican forces. Like, what are they offering? Oh, they have nothing. That's why they have to deal. That's with what. China's that's what life. I'm saying. So instead, they pick on this. Yeah, they have to battle. They have to fight the cultural war because they have no. They have nothing to offer. By the way, guys, if you're American, please go vote. I mean, like, guys. This is literally the whole planet is at stake. What? Darko is saying them litter boxes, though. Do you know what this is in reference to? No, what is it reference to? There was fake news going around that the transgender movement has gone so far that they are now recognizing children as furries. And that there was a third grade student that demanded that the teacher provide them a litter box so that they could use the litter box because they identify as a cat. And this was, people were circulating this like this was an actual thing that happened. It did not happen. This is completely fake. It was, um, it's like a it's meme. Amazing, it's amazing how these right-leaning people think something like that would have happened and it wouldn't be all over all the news all the time, everywhere. Like, oh yeah, there's just one politician happened to have heard about it. It would have gone viral. Like every single Republican, every single like anti-SJW person would have picked up on that and it would have gone viral. But no, just this one politician said like, oh, I just heard somebody somewhere. Yeah, sure. sure Joe man. Rogan sure. repeated that to Tulsi Gabbard. He's like, yeah, my friend told me that this happened at his school. Oh my God, this man has lost all credibility. Seriously, Joe Rogan, <laughs> I don't even know. And then later he admitted that it was not real. Jeez. The fact that he believed it, like, do you really seriously believe that that could have happened and your friend told you and it didn't go viral? Do you know that would be that every single anti-SJW in the entire country and beyond the United States would have jumped on that, that jump on that whole news and shared they it did anyways and it wasn't real. Oh, my God. Yo, my friend told me. Sure. Um, hey, we have some comments I want to highlight. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so I'm gonna do uh, Rebecca's first, and then go to GJ. GJ, am I mm -hmm. saying it right? Because his comments are from the previous news. So, mm -hmm. Bread of Life or Rebecca, our friendly Christian um, supporter, is saying Christians should be leading the way with respect for all people. Unfortunately, Christianity. Oh, with respect for all people. Unfortunately, Christianity in America has become known for lack of respect for transgender and gay people. Jesus doesn't like that. Well, Rebecca, I don't agree with you, okay? 
Jesus was racist and Christianity is anti-gay. But you're not, Jesus so I appreciate that. <laughs> Jesus was racist. Yes, Jesus was racist. <laughs> Jesus also hated trees, certain trees. You're you're always stuck on that tree. It's so funny. <laughs> also, pigs as well. Unfortunately, like made a whole bunch of pigs commit suicide without their consent. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you do that, Jesus? Poor pigs. Um, yeah. Okay. Brother uh, also, treat your people too. <laughs> <laughs> also, unbelievers, Jesus is going to let us burn in the lake of fire. True. For a lot. For, but for, Rebecca doesn't believe in that. No, Rebecca thinks we're going to die for a little bit, not for eternity, I think. Like, we're going to burn I mean, and we're going to die. She doesn't believe in hell. Which, Oh no, yeah. Okay, we're gonna have a chance. We're gonna have a chance. Oh uh, yeah, Rebecca we got a chance, this... okay, Armin. Yeah, we get a chance. One, la one <laughs> Thank last you, chance. Thank you, Rebecca, for giving us a chance. I mean, I don't understand the whole point of believing in Jesus at all. If you get one last chance, r right after your death, we can see literally, like, okay, this is like is real. Like, like you. And, okay, so what's the point of like believing in Jesus? Everybody, like everybody in the right mind at that point would be like, okay, sure, I guess you're real. Like. like this story, Rebecca's story, only makes sense if there are certain people that would be like, even now I would reject Jesus. Because if without that, hell would be empty. Okay, I think that based on Rebecca's story, there would be two people, two people, maybe three people in hell. The entirety of hell would have like three people in it. <laughs> now I'm seeing God and I'm seeing Jesus. And even now I will reject you. Yes, eternal fire. I'll accept that. Sure. <laughs> okay. Anyways, the moral of the other. story is that Rebecca is a very nice Christian who yes, is too nice, nice to condemn us to hell. And so, yeah. Yes. Which I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciate. Okay. We love Rebecca uh, on this channel. We love <laughs> okay. We got two super chats, uh, which are about the previous news items. GJ uh, saying, do you also sell poster prints of your erotic arts? Um, we would love to, but no place would accept that. Okay. We, we would want to like, put them on t-shirts um but every store will kick us completely out of their you know like we if we if we because there are platforms that you could sell these shirts but they would like it would be so controversial that they wouldn't take it uh saying instead of if you guys know somewhere would bitch they have no chill and they will just like not censor you and would let us like make posters of erotic hindu art let us know where should we try because we would like to sell them uh, the question, the comment continues. Instead of seeing Van Gogh painting wall posters in the background of twenty, background of wait, what do you say? Twenty percent of YouTube video, what YouTube you, videos. So he's saying that he would like to see our erotic arts in the backgrounds of YouTube videos instead of the same old Van Gogh painting in everyone's video. <laughs> we can't. We we our YouTube videos will get a strike. Yeah, you, you don't understand. Our True. erotic art is very erotic. They're not. <laughs> But Guys, actually, check out, check out have... our erotic, check out our erotic blasphemous art for free. You could get them for free if you're subscribed to our newsletter. We have new ones. Yeah, but they're still like they're still very erotic. Like people, like there's a lot of sexy things happening. The gods look very sexy, but they're clothed. If you want to, if you want the not safe for work version, nude version, you have to become a patron. But the the free ones are pretty good as well. So link in the description. Mm -hmm. Wait, what were we gonna say? I interrupted you. 
Oh, well, we have um, in, in our store, in the Atheist Republic merchandise store, which you can find in the description, we do have t-shirts with Sexy Kali on it and Kali and Sita. And yes. well, it doesn't have to be a t-shirt. You can get on a bunch of different products like Posters. mugs, sweatshirts, backpacks, all sorts of stuff. So yeah, it's but not those a poster, are... but we have a lot of other things. Cell phones. Yes, but those are when our art wasn't like goddesses scissoring each other and stuff like that. Now, even the safer work version, we can't sell because there's like a lot of, even though they're closed, there's like, it's just too much. <laughs> we have Hindu goddesses scissoring each other, guys. Check it out. True. Link in the description. Um, so there's this one. You want to read this? Uh, GJ is saying Islamophobia is an induced, no, insidious, excuse me, is an insidious term. It conflates intelligent uh, critique of Islam with anti-Muslim bigotry, and didn't it contribute to Atheist Republic's Twitter death? No, our Twitter death was, <laughs> that's what I'm going to call it now, um, mainly because of Hindu outrage. Hindu-phobia, not Islamophobia. Our Islamophobia <laughs> yeah, didn't me. get us kicked. Yeah. It wasn't Islamophobia that got us kicked off of Twitter. It was Hindophobia. Yeah. Um, we got thank another you for super the super chat. chat. Oh, and yeah, another so super, super chat. Oh, my another God. Another super chat. Thank you so much. GJ is saying, oh, and by the way, I, as a Dutchman, do see the U.S. to be still rather a Christian country. In most developed, in all caps, in developed nations, abortion Land. isn't a political issue anymore and hasn't been for a long time. Honestly, okay, he's right. <laughs> yeah. Takes our country, Susanna. What the hell? Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, but- the good news is, is that America is like very rapidly losing its faith and that it's having less and less of an impact on people's personal lives. And I believe that this will be, as long as we remain politically active, become more reflected in political life soon because that's the trajectory from other nations like Scandinavia, etc. <laughs> Rebecca is also saying, yes, I tried to be a Patreon member, but the erotic art was too erotic for me, so I had to cancel. <laughs> Guys, this is how erotic it is. Our art is so erotic that Christians are turning away from our patronage. But thank like, you for being... <laughs> but guys, if, if our Patreon account is too erotic for you, then you could support us by being a YouTube member like like Rebecca is, okay? But but see how good it is? People who want to support us have to stop. That's how sexy our art is. So be, <laughs> My pure out, Christian eyes can't check, handle this. Check out our blasphemous art that is too sexy for Christian eyes, okay? Mm-hmm. That should be a marketing. Okay. Uh, marketing. This next yeah. news is juicy. Okay. I've been waiting to cover this for like a while. Oh my god. Yeah, this is cool. Okay. Um <laughs> somebody saying that. Wait, I have to read this cover. I like it's too sexy for Christian eyes. So it's like that's not saying much. <laughs> Rebecca, you're being called a prude. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can I clap for the next news? Yes. Okay, next news. Next news, Christian fascist cult to be investigated for Japanese ex-prime minister assassination. So this is wild. I've been waiting to talk about this for a while. Recently, Japanese prime minister Fumio Kishida 
ordered an investigation into a South Korean religious organization known as the Family Federation for World Peace and Unification, more commonly known as the Unification Church or as quote-unquote Moonies, amidst a growing scandal between his party and the church. The Unification Church is notorious for its bizarre teachings, abusive practices, and mass weddings. Prime Minister Kishida instructed his education and cultural minister, uh, Kieko Nagaoka, to provide the ties between the ruling Liberal Democrat Party, or Democratic Party, or LDP, and the church. This decision came after the assassination of former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. 41-year-old uh, Tetsuya Yamagami, the suspect of the killing, said he assassinated Abe over his apparent ties with the church. According to Yamagami, the church defrauded his mother into donating around 100 million yen, or roughly $672,000 U.S. dollars. Uh, Tetsuya targeted Shinzo Abe because of his perceived sympathies to the Moonies and his grandfather, former Prime Minister uh, Nobusuke Kishi, helped the Unification Church expand in Japan in the early 1950s. An internal survey of the Liberal Democratic Party discovered that almost half of their legislators had some connections with the church. Prime Minister Kishida pledged to remove the party's ties to the church. The Unification Church, which has around 100,000 active members in Japan, could lose its tax-exempt status depending on the result of the investigation and a court ruling. Hey, can you break this down a little bit? Okay, so let's back up. You, Most people are probably aware that, or heard a few months ago, that the former prime minister of Japan and the longest-serving prime minister... His name is Shinzo, Shinzo Abe. He was assassinated. And this is very shocking because, like, there aren't any handguns in uh, in Japan. Like, this kind of thing is very rare. And as this was investigated, the role of the Unification Church started to be revealed. So here's the backstory. The guy who murdered Abe, his name, his last name is Yamagami. So let's just call him that. Yamagami is from a family that was members of the Unification Church. And because of the abusive practices of this cult, his mother basically gave everything the family had to the church. And so that this man could not attend college, like it had a really devastating impact on his family. And basically he he says that it ruined his life. His original intent was apparently to assassinate the current ruling leader of the Unification Church. The current ruling leader of the Unification Church is the wife of the founder who died uh, like about 10 years ago. The guy who founded the church, his name is Sun Yun Moon. Which is why the followers are called Moonies because they're like named after him, right? Is this okay? One question: Is the whole thing just one church, or are we talking about two different churches? So, yes, but the, what complicates it is that the Unification Church goes by many different names, and they have many 
fake organizations to hide their activities. They have many, they also, they have, they have a billion dollar, like multiple billion dollar network around the world. Okay. They own properties around the world and they own the United States newspaper, the Washington Times. Um, okay. Do you, so we have a unification church, which is being called a cult, right? Yes. Uh, and they're called Moonies, the people in there? kind of a pejorative term or nickname for the okay. members are called moons. But why is the church being investigated when the church was the one that was attacked? Is the one the church was attacked. not the one that was attacked. I mean the person is attacking people because of them being in the church. Oh, okay, I see what you mean. Okay, funnily enough, this is the exact same propaganda that the church is using to cover their oh. ass. Um so so backing up and going to the current day so this guy has been like the the murderer has been you know very badly impacted by the activities of this church throughout his life he wanted to go target the current leader he couldn't because she's not traveling into japan as much anymore after the pandemic so what he wanted to do instead is he realized that shinzo abe's grandfather was had a large role in the church expanding in Japan in the 1950s. And I can get into that because it's actually kind of crazy. And then he later discovered that Shinzo Abe himself had some connections or was a sympathizer to the church. And this enraged him. So this is how he ended up choosing Abe as his target. Um, and what this ended up doing, I mean, like, yes, someone is being targeted for their affiliations with this church, but it opened up the broader conversation in Japanese culture about what actually is this church? Like, what's going on? What are they doing to their members? Like, what what actually is happening here? It, it started to become a, an actual genuine question. And then people started to realize how legitimately politically influential this organization is within Japan and it has become an issue where it's extremely unpopular in Japanese politics right now to have any form of affiliation with the unification church. And it was discovered that nearly half of the, what was it? Um, of the, of the legislators from the LDP, the current ruling party had some ties or connections to the church. And so they basically like flushed out an entire cabinet to try to get rid of these connections, put in Wait, a new so cabinet. There are a lot of people in the new cabinet that still have connections. So the Japanese people, like Shinzo Abe was part of this church. He wasn't they, part of it. No, no, no. He was not part of it. He was not a member. He just like would show them support or thank them for their political okay. support that they would give him. And he had sympathies, da, da, da. But you would think that the people would like it's. I'm just. It's amazing that the Japanese people would have the opposite reaction that I would think because like Shinzo Abe was killed for his association with this church, and the Japanese people are like, let's go after more people who are associated with this church. I would just think like I would just think that you would be sympathetic because this man was killed for his association with the church. So. I would think that the reaction would be like, hey, let's not demonize these people who are... I mean, people, the Japanese people, didn't they like Shinzo Abe? Like, I mean, he was, he was very controversial. 
So okay. that's its own thing. And like him receiving a state funeral was hugely controversial. Like, I don't want to get into those politics so much. It's, okay. I, I understand what... the perspective you have, but I think if people know about how bad and evil, like the organization of the unification church right. is, you wouldn't have as much sympathies. Okay. Okay. How bad are they? Like they, Oh my God. It's bonkers. So it is a straight up cult. It was founded in the 1950s in South Korea and it was founded by Sun Yun Moon. Sun Yun Moon is genuinely believed to be the, the second coming of Jesus Christ. He is nice. supposed to be the literal oh. Messiah. Was this the same guy that caused a whole bunch of people being killed? Like there was a mass death. Like I know somebody from South Korea that acted like he's the second coming of Jesus that caused mass executions and killing. Is the same guy? I, I don't think so. I, there hasn't really been mass suicides or anything in um, the Unification Church that I'm aware of. You might be thinking of Om Shinrikyo. Um, but because you know i'm i'm so like obsessed with cults and stuff like that but so they believe that this like aging well i mean he's dead now this korean man is like the messiah and that his whole thing is that he is going to come and turn the world into a united family that is then going to be sinless and like take over the world and it, it's there there's these weird like parallels to islam and some of the teachings so they have this belief that Sun Yun Moon's family is literally like a pure family that is specially chosen by God to be like a representation and model for everyone else. They are like a sinless family. And it reminds me so much of like the Ahlbayt, like being Masum in, in Islam. I was like, oh, this is very similar. Um, they're also very racist they basically think that koreans are like the superior race and then after that is like japanese and then after that is like east asians in general and then it's like white people and it just goes downhill from there and in general they've for decades they've had extremely abusive practices they're very deceptive in how they recruit people into the cult they um they do tons of extremely abusive and destructive practices. Like oftentimes when people join, they have to give over all of their savings to the church. They have to give up everything. They have to give up their name. They have to cut off the ties of their biological family because now they're part of God's sinless family. Um, they are implicated in um, labor trafficking of, of their members. And when it comes to these mass weddings, they don't think that people are basically smart enough or godly enough or spiritually clean enough to choose their spouse for themselves. So for a lot of these mass weddings, and they're really like a marriage ceremony, they're not technically legally binding, that happens later, but the, someone's spouse is chosen for them by Moon or by the leadership. Like they, they don't even get to choose their own spouse because they they are not you know worthy or they they're too corrupted to be able to make such a decision themselves. So I mean there's so much that goes into the unification church like their global network is crazy. They own arms and defensive like um manufacturing. What? 
Yes. They have connections to the CIA. Not even kidding. And they have been used historically since the 50s to oppose communism. So they governments, including the United States government, has used the Unification Church for fighting communism, but it often comes in the form of just putting pushing right-wing authoritarianism. Like, I can't get into it too much, but the ideology of this group is legit, straight-up fascist. And they go they go to extremes with this. And part of their... They couch it, oh, it's family values, it's family values, but really they just hate gay people. They fight against LGBT rights at every force because they think that LGBT rights is communism. And... It goes wow. it goes really deep. So they've been throughout in, in Japanese politics, they've been used and mobilized as a consistent voter base, and politicians will cater to them in this way. And this has been a real contention, particularly in Japan, in terms of gaining LGBT marriage equality recognition, which has been and like a really hard ongoing process there. I really thought Japan would be immune from such nonsense, you know. Why? I didn't know any. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm... I just thought that they are they ever since Shinto was like a state religion, they now realize how much. You, you I, I don't know if you know, but Shinto was a religion before, like the Americans came and fixed it, but they just replaced it with something else because back then it was like a very religion was holding back japan a lot and i think that you would just once you realize how much when you pass that and you saw how much your country grows you would think like yeah let's not do that again um but well it's complicated not. because in japan there are only like a hundred thousand active members of the unification church right but hmm. they are an extremely wealthy organization extremely corrupt and they like it's it's a very insidious organization and because they have so much money to throw around because they extort so much money from their members they have a lot of clout because of how much money they have available to them um and one of the things that i was reading about is that they could get shut down based on the fact that they're known to basically provide a lot of fraudulent services to people like spiritual exorcisms like all this stuff. And there has been a precedent of, um, in Japanese law, you are able to shut down certain religious organizations within very specific circumstances. And the, there's only been like two, um, examples of this. One of them was Om Shinrikyo, which should be shut down because they are legit biological terrorists. Like Om Shinrikyo did a horrific sarin gas attack on the tokyo subways the description like it's 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 horrific what happened with om shinrikyo so they they definitely need to get shut down i mean they're terrorists but so um where's there was another organization that got shut down for fraudulently selling people goods and services and stuff and so they might be able to do something similar here you really? So do you think this is promising, this investigation into it? Is it going to lead to anything good? I hope so. It, it's become so politically damaging for the L, um, 
LDP that they have to do something. Like the current prime minister's ratings are in the low 30s, the lowest it's ever been. So they they really need to do something because it's so toxic in the in the Japanese public opinion. Hmm. Um. Okay. Um. This is a very. I don't know about any of this. So this is. Thank you for educating us. Honestly, I was just excited to talk about the Moonies because, like, I'm such a nerd, and it, it's a fascinating organization. I mean, extremely abusive, but they're actually genuinely very influential around the world. But people don't really know that much about them. Like, if you're in, if you are in your 60s, like, you would be more familiar with the Moonies because that generation saw kind of the rise of the Moonies a lot larger and then now they've kind of fallen off the public radar so there's a certain generations of americans in particular that will like 100 know like what i'm talking about but if you're kind of not within your 60s or 70s you're going to be like what what the hell is the unification church but there's a huge degree of notoriety for you know previous generations i'm still freaked out by the fact that the dude cross they put on a cross in jerusalem is now like having this effect on japan like how do you guys like like if you're japanese like do you really like where is your like you guys are supposed to be racist why are you thinking what? about this? <laughs> like why are you guys like you're japanese why do you Shut think up. this jewish jewish guy in the middle east on a cross is all of a sudden has what does that got to do with you like take some pride, make it Japanese. Like at least when you were a Shinto, there was like some, I don't know. This is a what very is strange argument from you. <laughs> no, I'm just like like sometimes I've like at people in like Indonesia. I would like this dude in the desert in Saudi Arabia. Like that's something somewhere. And like now in Indonesia, people think that this guy this guy was their prophet. Same thing about Christians in like Philippines or in Japan or in Korea. Like how on earth do you think this has anything to do with you guys? Well, I mean, I Arvin, it's very different because, like, the Abrahamic faiths have, well, not all of them, Christianity and Islam have universalizing messages. That's the whole point. So the geolocation of their founder is pretty irrelevant. Well, not pretty. It's it's less relevant to the actual theology. Because they're evangelical. They're inherently I know, but, if, but they're Christian. They believe Jesus died for their sin and stuff, right? I'm yeah. just thinking, like, it's just so bizarre that in Japan, like, in this modern world, like, these people have, like, the most advanced technology in the world. And this over there, they think the sky over there, like, in, like, 2,000 years ago, the sky was open. I just don't know how, like, how this happened. That's Somebody less confusing to me than thinking that this aging Korean businessman who got put in prison for tax evasion is the Messiah. That's more confusing. Like, this old fat Korean dude, like, that's more confusing to me <laughs> than the Jesus part. Mm, I mean... Especially within the Unification Church, like, that's where the real emphasis is, is on Moon himself. Yeah. Anyways, is <laughs> seriously religion is the fact that religion is still relevant today is sometimes I think about it like it just boggles my mind. Like this is the same human race that has figured out what has happened in the fraction of a second after the beginning of this goddamn universe. And like oh we're still like, oh yeah, this guy dies for our sins. I don't, this 
it's Carpenter was died of uh, it's just like I don't know. I don't know, I'm just ranting. Um can we <laughs> Armin's like, I expected better of you. <laughs> oh my god. Um can we uh, up for the next news? Yes, we can. Okay. Next news. Next news. Canadians are quickly losing their religion. Census data shows. According to the 2021 Census of Population released by Statistics Canada, roughly 35% of the total sample chose no religion and secular when asked about religious perspective. The decent, what's the decennial? Yeah, decennial census creates a telling perspective on the religious landscape in Canada. In the last census taken in 2011, 23.9% selected no religion, and the 2021 census increased, excuse me, the 2021 census showed an increase of more than 50% from 2001's 16.5%. More than 50% of the British Columbian population declared that they hold no religious affiliation, making BC the most non-religious province in Canada. Ian Bushfield, the executive director of British Columbia Humanist Association, called the result monumental. So, Armin, if you scroll down a little bit, you can see a graph of this. Look at this graph. Replacing you. <laughs> right. I hate your I hate your rhetoric sometimes. I can't stand it. This is the true replacement conspiracy. <laughs> there we go. We're coming for your children. I say this as a Canadian. Yes, exactly. Proud. And you're like, I've never been more proud to be Canadian. Yeah. I think. That's so wild that there's been, since in the past 20 years, the non-religious segment of the population has doubled in 20 years. Double. Double in 20 years. Do you know what this means, Susie? What? That means that the two countries that I am a citizen of are the, have the fastest growing non-religion where I'm leading the way in two countries, both Iranian, I'm a, I'm a citizen of Iran and a citizen of Canada. And both of these countries are leading the way in the world when it comes to the growth of the non-religious community. <laughs> so funny. All I do is win. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was really cool. Yeah. Especially, I mean, it's so obvious when you see the proportions, I mean, in, in the graph, like the proportions of Christians versus the proportions of non-religious, like it's very clear that people are just leaving Christianity and they're not migrating to another religion. Because for the other main religious groups, which are Muslims and Hindus in Canada, their population has increased, but it's almost all due to immigration. And their increase is like from... For Hindus, it's like from 1% to 2%. And for Muslims, it's like 2.5% to 5% or something. So their increase isn't that much either. But this is insane. Like people are just leaving religion like on a crazy scale. Um, it's really interesting to think about how this is going to be reflected across the next generation. Because there's sociologists were saying that the changes that we've seen from the past 20 years re reflect a generational shift 
of like people who grew up in households where there was religion, but there wasn't as much practice, like maybe a, a less importance than actually going into church, going into sermons and stuff. So then the following generation was like basically gave up any label whatsoever because it's not actually something that's practiced in their life. And then so the sociologists are saying in the next 20 years, we're going to see like second and third generation, like third generation, like non-religious families. Move to Canada, Susie. Your country is going in the wrong direction. Seriously, come up here. I'll let Honestly. you in. Oh, thank I'll you. I'll speak to my people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I need. <laughs> Actually, though. <laughs> come before we build the wall, though. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do need the immigration, too. You will take me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, that's pretty much all I had for this story. I mean, how do you think this will be reflected in Canadian politics? Hmm. Very good question. There's less of an emphasis of religion in Canadian politics anyways. Like you guys, you guys actually get to focus on like policy and economy because you guys aren't fighting over cultural bullshit as much. That's what I find interesting about like Canadian conservatives is like, they're not really fighting against gay marriage or they're not fighting against abortion. Like they're like, Oh no, we've accepted that. That's off the table. Like now let's talk about what kind of like public health policies we want and like taxes and stuff. Yeah. No, like we, we might have a Gilead situation where we have to accept refugees from the United States or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so. No. Actually, that's actually what happened in the in Gilead. Like Canada was like a safe haven for people who were refugees out of the United States. Oh, really? I've never watched or read The Hidden Tale. Yeah. Yeah. Canada was you, like the yeah. Will you take me in as a refugee? Yes, of course. Thank you, <laughs> but it's amazing how it was recognized, like in the movie that, in the TV series that, like obviously, if United States goes like this way, Canada would be. I mean, it was always the same. Like even when you guys had slavery, uh, we accepted your slaves. Yeah, we like that was where they ran away to. Yeah, enslaved yeah. African Americans, Black Americans. I'm actually being very Canada. Canadian right now because the most the mo the the <clears throat> what defines Canadian culture the most uh, is their superiority to Americans. Like they constantly <laughs> mention the, like this, this is the, you can't, there's nothing more Canadian than this. Right. So, Except you guys. Okay. So, never mind. I won't. No, so I'm okay. actually, I feel very Canadian right now that I'm telling you uh, all of this because this is uh -huh. like a Canadian hobby to tell Americans how much things, how things are better at the other side of the border. Right. So yeah. this, mm -hmm. yeah. So <laughs> this is me exercising my canadian heritage right now um like culture <laughs> something i don't remember is saying don't go with him susie <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh see god. like these saying in the latest episodes they want to kick americans out yes see this is what happened oh my god too many in, in in future canada you guys are going to kick out the american refugees that's not very nice. No, you just there's. Well, I mean, you if you overstay, you're welcome, and if you don't, oh snap! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't accept our ways, then we might have to. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, 
Um, okay. To have a little bit of Canadian national pride, Armin, because usually you have. I'm kidding. Like, I'm kidding. By the way, this is a joke. All of this. I'm, I'm not national. How? But how does it feel though? You know. Do you Funny. have pride in being Canadian? This country that took you in. No, no, no. I'm joking. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I have. I am. I have no. I. I don't have a single nationalist bone in my body. So. This is all a joke. So it's just. I think that's so funny because this is the country that did like provide you with the availability to do the activism that you do, to speak the way that you do, to have the life that you want and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because of liberal values, not because Mm. of. So, what I what I admire is liberal values wherever I could find them. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's independent from geography and country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's Um, no part that goes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it is. Thank you, but not to to people who are responsible for making these rights, mm-hmm. um, you know, prevail. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, not to not to a flag, not to mm-hmm. a land, but to individuals who made this happen at a huge cost. I like to I like to be thankful to people rather than countries. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know countries are made out of people, but I like I like the the per, I like I don't understand a country is a concept. I can't feel I don't feel like it can be thankful to a concept. To a, a country is a social um agreement. Like how could I be thankful to an agreement? The people who are responsible for making that agreement into a thing, I'm I'm thankful to them. Right, I think like it's important for us to have grad like don't you know it's kind of like God that you you are turning something that is not an individual and all of a sudden you're grateful to it or you're thanking Mm. it or you're not like I I I rather keep these feelings or these kind of sentiments towards other human beings and individuals right rather than a concept like a country. Yeah. Um, no, I understand that. I just get kind of amused thinking about someone that's super proud of being Canadian and you being an immigrant that like gets to enjoy all these liberties because of coming there, like being like, no, nah, I don't give a crap. <laughs> and like pissing yeah. off that person. It's just kind of funny to me. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I don't care. It's kind of like, hey, do you like your car a lot? You're like, yeah, I like it a car. Are, what, are you thankful to your car? I'm like, what the hell? You mean the people. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, you, mean yeah, the yeah. People, you mean the people who built the car? Like, no, no, to the car itself. Like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not thankful to my car. But like, hey, don't you like the car? Like, yes, I do like the car. You know what I mean? Like, I, I cannot feel thankful. To, like, I don't think those sentiments are supposed to be towards, like, it's supposed mm-hmm. to be towards other human beings. That's what I mean. Okay. That's just what I mean. Okay. Cool. Uh, if you ask me, do you like Canada? Then it's easier to get it. Yes, I very much like Canada. Is that good? Mm-hmm. I like Canada. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite countries. Um, your all hair right. Looks nice right now, by the way. Really, what? I like your hair right oh. now. I was just thinking that, so I thought I would tell you. Oh, thank you. Oh, wow. Okay. Thank you, guys. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. I never, I never get compliments like this live on air. Thank you, guys. That's not true. <laughs> no, I get okay. Well, I like your hair as well. It's cute. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Can we clap for the next news? Yes, we have so much clappable news this week. Nice. Ooh, what is this? Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. 
next news. Next news. Model Amber Rose reveals her ideal man is an atheist. Famous American model Amber Rose recently posted on her Instagram that her ideal ideal man is, quote, definitely an atheist, but also a feminist. In an Instagram story, Amber Rose said, quote, why is it so hard to find an intelligent, sexy, rich, successful, tatted gentleman that also has kids but is not an abusive narcissist? The first part of the post seemed relatable, but the second part is what raised people's eyebrows. Quote, and he's definitely an atheist, but also a feminist. I'm not asking for much, her post continued. Her statement sparked a debate on social media about atheists and dating. A lot of people expressed their disappointment online. Some even mentioned that her lack of faith is causing her relationship problems. After all the criticism, Amber Rose doubled down on her statement saying, I said what I said. (laughs) This isn't the first time Amber Rose was embroiled in controversy over atheism. She had previously stated that she doesn't believe in God and even commented that Jesus dying on the cross for humanity's sins is, quote, manipulative. What absolute crybabies. Imagine if somebody got offended, like, oh, I want my man to be Christian or Muslim. Imagine if we there was an outrage by atheists, like, oh, you want your significant, you want your husband to be a Christian? How dare you? Like, that, like this is like one of those indications about how much hate and discrimination exists against atheists. It's a like, huge double standard. It? Yeah, so like imagine, okay. This would have been headline news if the outrage was after she said, I want to, like, I'm a Jew and I want my significant other to also be a Jew. Imagine if there was, like, she was flooded with outrage. This would be headline news. You know, this would be a much more viral news. But if you say the same thing, if the outrage is over atheists, people like, we just have, like, this. how big of a deal was this? Was this, like, major, did this go viral? I mean... Uh, to the like in celebrity gossip sites or whatever, whatever. Yeah, it would be beyond celebrity gossip. It would be like on Reuters. It would be on CNN. It would be everywhere. If this was outrage, I don't know. I just think like there's a lot more tolerance towards people being outraged over hatreds towards atheists than towards other people. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Anyways, it's kind thank, of funny. thank you for doubling down. Thank you I so didn't much for know that Amber that. Rose was this such an the best atheist. Actually, like that's the other thing I wanted to talk about because for so people don't know, Amber Rose is famous because she dated Kanye West and then she was married to rapper Wiz Khalifa, and she's always you know been in in celebrity circles, celebrity orbits, blah blah blah, like run-ins with the Kardashians, like all this stuff. Um, and she's also famous because she started the slut walk in Los Angeles, which then became like a national and international thing to protest against slut shaming and RAPE culture. And so she's also has an activist and is very sex positive. And so I didn't know that she had was so outspoken on this issue. What I find kind of funny is that a lot of the backlash against her for this is also colored with the fact that she's a sex worker. So even before she was dating rappers and stuff, like she was a stripper. And then nowadays she has an OnlyFans and she's been doing that for a while. And so a lot of people were coming at her from that angle of being like, oh, of course you're going to have 
problems with men, like the father of her youngest child, um, like cheated on her with like 12 different women, you know, because, oh, you are a whore basically. And so the only man that would want you in this context is going to treat you poorly because he doesn't have like the respect that is obligated upon him by religion, essentially. So I don't know. There, there's also like a, like an anti-sex work, like slut shaming aspect to this as well. <clears throat> oh, okay. I see. I see. I see. Well, atheists and sex workers together, we will unite and fight against discrimination. In, in fact, maybe atheist sex workers is the way that we could promote tolerance towards atheists. <laughs> don't, don't ask me how. <laughs> don't ask me how. I mean, hey, that's one. That's one angle. Um, I think. Oh, I had another point I wanted to make. I can't remember what it was. I don't know. Never mind. Okay, we have two super chats before we go to the next news. Okay. Again, both of them I by GJ. Thank you so much, GJ. You're being very generous today. I hope you're rich because you shouldn't be stop donating to us so much. But no, but thank you so much for your support. Thank you. Thank you for your yeah. support. Guys, this is GJ has been very generous today. I don't like there's more. There's actually this is like another one. Okay, GJ saying have they clean look, you want to read this? GJ saying have the clean arts meaning the safer work arts printed in Holland uh, Descartes and other world famous philosophers had their highly volatile heretic theories printed in Amsterdam oh that's true like historically well GJ are you a patron you should like given how much you're interested in our arts I hope you oh yeah you are a thing you are a patron okay 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 so good, good, good. Guys, look, GJ is like really promoting is not not only he's supporting us with super chats, he's also talking about our art so much. So make sure you become a patron, link in the description to see what he's talking about. Because our art is very you know blasphemous and very sexy at the same time. Thank you so much, GJ, again. And here's another super chat by GJ as well, and 11 euros this time. Thank you again. He's saying, I was born a Christian in a Christian majority country that became irreligious an irreligious majority in under 10 years no 10 years ago but i was an early adopter in 1991 after 21 years i've been clean now <laughs> wait for 32 years well good you're trying to add up to see if that works the years work yeah, i'm confused after 21 years i've been clean now for 32 years that doesn't make sense but anyways thank you for the super chat and we appreciate all your support. Yes, and congratulations on being sober from Christianity. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're, we should we should tell it, make that a thing. Like, I'm a recovering Christian. Like, once a Christian. Oh my God, no! Or, I say that all the time. I say I'm an, I'm a recovering oh, ex-Catholic. Yeah. A recovering ex-Catholic. Yes, yes, yes. Because um, it is, it is a recovery. It is recovery. Yeah. I think I fully recovered from Islam. I think so. Yeah. Have you fully yeah. recovered from Christianity? No. No? Okay. Still need to do I mean, I am that. a lot younger than you, though. To be fair. Oh, okay. Then. 21, 32. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, look at this. People are saying your art is beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Or I can do the Korean heart. The Korean heart. Oh, is that? The... Oh, okay, yeah. Um, can we clap for this next news? 
Yes, we can. Okay, cool. Next news. Next news. Tokyo to begin recognizing same-sex marriages. Progress, but this is important. Recently, Japan made history by isu issuing certificates to same-sex couples, becoming the first municipality in a country where same-sex marriage is not considered legal. The certificate is given to individuals who are the age of 18 and above. It does not provide the same legal rights as the institution of marriage. However, it still allows same-sex couples to be treated as a married couple for public services such as healthcare, social security, and housing. Even though the certification has limitations in various aspects like adoptions, visas, inheritance, and many, um, many LGBTQ couples and activists welcomed the move. According to a poll conducted by the public broadcaster um, NHK, 57% of Japanese people support same-sex marriage. Many acknowledge that the certificate system is only the beginning of gaining gay rights in Japan. Taiwan remains the first and only country in the region to recognize same-sex marriages officially. More reasons to defend Taiwan against China. That's what I thought, actually. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> not even kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, but I feel kind of sad that China, Japan is so far behind. Like, like. Yeah, and this Japan is like, is... they have hmm. something that's similar in Shibuya that they started, I think, in 2015. And then they have like this in Tokyo, and that's pretty much it. Because yeah. what happened in Japan is there was a court case that was had a lot of promise in terms of challenging the illegality of same-sex marriage because there are all these reasons why they were arguing why it is not providing equal protection under the law and basically there was a, a lower court that was like very on board and then the higher court basically overturned it all say no this isn't un un this isn't unconstitutional inequality at all so that that chance at, you know, gaining marriage equality was, I don't know, uprooted. Um, but this is like a really positive step in the right direction. I think it's difficult because, I don't know, there are a lot of things about Japanese culture that I don't fully understand. Like, there's lots of it that are very open and but at the same time politically it can be very conservative hmm. so there's like this interesting contention and the the leading um liberal democratic party is like super against providing marriage equality and stuff because they think it's against family values blah 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 they might be called the liberal democratic party but they're actually very conservative <laughs> um yeah. and yeah, so that's been the, the, a huge obstacle. This is going to be a huge win for us if, if we could turn Japan because this is the world's like third largest economy, right? I know. So it would be a massive win. Um, mm -hmm. And it's so bizarre that like, a country as advanced as Japan is still behind on this matter. Like you would think that they would be ahead of other people. Mm -hmm. Japan's conservatism confuses me because, like, when it comes to the if you interpret the thing just based on the culture that comes out of there, you would just think like they're like very far, like very liberal. But then exactly. you look at it, you look at their culture, they look liberal, and you look at their politics, you're like, what the hell? It's like it doesn't match what we're seeing coming out of Japan. 
weird. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to like um, pretend to have some in-depth knowledge or understanding of Japanese politics or anything, but that is like a contention that I find very confusing. Yeah. Like in in TV shows and dramas, they're starting to have more LGBT characters, but like in anime and manga, anime and manga has been super gay for a long time. <laughs> like, like yeah. their whole genre is dedicated to it and subgenres and subgenres like there's yeah a huge subculture surrounding all this stuff it's fascinating yeah um okay so oh well okay we need to do super chats gage is saying do the math please i'm 53 years old now get it yes we, so you're saying that you it. lost religion at 21 and then you're 30 to your sober okay that makes more sense now Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the super chat again, by the way. Three euros super chat. Thank you. Bridge. <laughs> um, okay. Can we clap for the next news? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Oh, look at you so excited. Oh, thank you. All right. Um, next news. Next news. Armin Navabi published in Queer Majority. I don't know. Maybe you can help me come up with a better title for the segment. But the moral of the story is... Exciting news, Armin recently wrote and published an article about the Iran, Iranian revolution in, and published it recently in the uh, online magazine Queer Majority. Really cool. Yeah, I was so happy. They, they reached out to me and they said that they wanted me to cover this. So, I mean, I was so honored and i wrote something and it got published this is the publication queer majority so this is like it's by the way it's very beautifully designed the whole thing yeah. right like if you go to the articles i was very much impressed with the whole oh yeah and this is mine so you can see different people covering different things and it's usually mo mostly lgbt focused okay but they did want me to cover they wanted some somebody to come and write about the, what's happening in iran so i said yes um and this is my article but they it did have an lgbt mention and section about you know because it's it, it is for queer majority so it did have to have something associated with that in there which i did cover right mm -hmm. um i and i really enjoyed the process i really enjoyed writing an article for a publication you know like outside of atheist republic um because it also gets outside of the public and like makes more people um introduced to us and the work that we do so i do want to do more of this because i had a lot of more articles that i wanted to write for them and because it didn't have any lgbt angle to it they couldn't publish them um but i do guys if you could help me out like because i have a lot of articles like this ready to go already written prepared right so just needs a home for me to publish them if you guys could help me figure out a place where it would take submissions like that like good places but i'm not talking about like a like huffington post quillette any any of these publications you know now i have a reference like first of all i have a wikipedia page you know so that gives me a lot of uh, legitimacy but now i also have a publication as an article i also wrote a book so those things in combination should be easy for me to get places convince other places to take my articles 
So if you guys have any connections or if you have any advice or if you um, know any, yeah, email me at armin.navwabi at gmail.com. If you know any of the editors that work at any of these websites that would accept articles, I would like to do a lot more of this type of work. So please email me again. Again, again it's Armin. You can see my name here. <laughs> Armin.navwabi at gmail.com. And please like hit me up and tell me like, yes, I know this guy or I am the guy to, um, you know, to contact for getting your articles published here or there. Mm -hmm. right? um, I posted yeah. a link to his article in the live chat so you guys can go read it if you want to. And if you don't have the link, just like Google queer majority Armin Navabi and you'll find it. Um, so Armin, wait, can you give us like a quick overview or like I mean, I want people to go read it, so don't tell us everything. But like, what is what is this article about? Oh uh, yeah, so I go. You know how over here I tell you that the Iranian regime uses division between Iranian people as a way to survive, right? Um, so it turns like Kurdish people against the rest of Iranians, men against women, um, secular against religious, um, you know, and upper class against lower class as a way to define an enemy uh, to get people united with the regime against this made-up enemy, right? So basically that, I go through examples of how it's done and how these recent protests have basically destroyed those narratives and how against, you know, 40 years of worth of attempts by the government to create those divisions in less than a month, people have shown that none of that has worked and people are able to unite across all of these lines. And I go through examples line by line here as, as a way to show how people manage to do that. So, yeah. Amazing. There's lots of people saying congratulations. Oh, um, and so wait, in terms of other stuff you want to write about, like give us a teaser. Like what, what do you want to dig into? Like, so I want to do some fun stuff and some serious stuff right so like fun stuff i want to cover like you know andrew tate's conversion and how much in line that acceptance has is in line with actual islamic teaching you know the division within the muslim community those would be fun stuff um some stuff on you know mm, with more serious stuff like i wanted to cover the historical context of the battle between uh you know, liberals and religious people in Iran over and how hijab was like the center of all of this, the history of how hijab was not just a religious tool in Iran, but a political tool and how these recent protests have changed that back and forth, you know, they give some historical context and show how unprecedented this whole new protest and this new of thinking about the uh, hijab is, you know. And basically give you a rundown of how even the liberals and leftists, um, you know, bent the knee to Islamic takeover and how the anti-imperialist narratives help with accepting a whole bunch of Islamism, um, including mm. the hijab by leftists and how, and how the one reason why these recent protests are like beyond just left and right, you know, give, that's more serious, like, political and you know this and historical discussion but i could do both right i could do i could do like 
Oh, I, I'm right, already writing a script for a video on Jordan Peterson's invitation to Islam, and how how you know and how what narratives was used as a way to invite him to Islam and the way he responded to that. Like I could, so that would be more in the fun line of things, right? Um, but I could. There's so many things. Like I have, I have like thousands of ideas I could write about, right? In different articles, yeah. Um, yeah. So the, when when I'm writing scripts for my video, I'm just enjoying that. I'm like, when I'm, you know, this could be an article. Like as I'm writing a script, like it could just as easily turn it into an article. So yeah, if anybody has any um, interest in seeing my articles, please reach out to me and tell me that, like, you know, again. Uh, or tell me where to email or if you have any suggestions on who to email and what to say because i don't know how to go about doing who to reach out to for yeah no thank you guys i mean congrats i mean i'm in my hero ah oh, thank you so Aww. much very sweet yeah all right guys um anything else Susie? no i had fun today yeah, <laughs> me too. I, I miss doing streams with you. Guys, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. More important than anything else is for you to be on our newsletter, okay? We reward you. Like, you will not regret being our, on our newsletter, okay? We do send you news, but we also send you juicy, juicy, sexy, blasphemous art, okay? For free. So make sure you are on the newsletter. And make sure you like and subscribe to this video. Liking this video makes our channel grow. So you are basically financially supporting us without actually spending any money. Liking this video will make us uh, grow faster and make more ad money. So without you spending a single cent, by liking this video, you're helping us um, cover our expenses more, right? And hit the bell notification. And if, if you are financially secure, but only if you're financially secure, consider supporting us financially as well. You could do that by on uh, Patreon or on PayPal or by becoming a YouTube member. Okay, so Patreon in the description and PayPal is also in the description, and the YouTube member is right next to the subscribe uh, button. You become a YouTube member and you can support us that way. Um, yeah, that's about it. Thank you, everybody, and take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Wait.